Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We recorded this episode with Andrew Goldstein, otherwise known as Friend. I first met Friend at a Grammy party earlier this year, and he was one of the first artists to encourage the creation of this podcast. Some context for this interview. Friend had worked on Black Bear's recently released record, Anonymous, and is currently working on a new album for his own project. As a multi-platinum songwriter and producer, Friend has worked with some of the biggest artists in music, with credits including Lauv, Black Bear, Hot Chell Ray, and Linkin Park. With a passion for all aspects of music, we're grateful for his insight into both the creation of songs and the evolving industry around them. So, without further ado, I'm Friend, and this is Talking Lion. Hey, friend. Hey. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for coming through. Of course. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate being here. It's oh, of awesome. course, dude. Were you you were born in, in Virginia? Yeah. So I'm originally from Virginia. Um, I lived there most of my life. I went to college there, and I had a band there. And then I've been in LA for almost nine years. Wow. Now doing uh, music. Were you musical as a child, or did your family have that musical gene as well? Um, no one in my family that I knew played music, except like my uncle played guitar, which I think everybody's uncle plays guitar. My uncle's a piano player. Uh, so was, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no one played music, but um, I was like in sixth grade, I went to a buddy's house and he had a guitar and he could play like, I think he could play Red Hot Chili Peppers right. and Nirvana. And I was like, oh my God, I need a guitar. <laughs> So I ran home and I pretty much begged my dad to get me a guitar. I was uh, 11. I think everybody has the story of the first yeah. time they heard the Chili Peppers. Yeah. You're like, you can do that? You can do that? Like that, you can say that? You can do that? Like, I think my first uh, Chili Pepper song was So Much I, and I'm like, bass does that? Like, because it's, you know, So Much I started with a do no da 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 It's a very bizarre band. It's a very bizarre and band. And I feel like, this, I think like people are like split on whether they like love them or hate them sometimes, you know? Because I know they're like obviously a legendary rock band, but it's like, I guess for some it's an acquired taste also. Yeah. You know, I think we take them for granted, but if you if you take a step back and you strip away the cultural like importance of it, you're like, this is weird. This is objectively weird music. <laughs> well, it was just like, so my grandfather lived in California, so I would come to California to visit him, but in my head it was like visiting the grandparents. Right. So California was like Cool. Right. And then the Chili Peppers have songs like, California. you know, California, yeah, yeah, California, <laughs> Californication, like under the bridge. And I'm like, oh, California's cool as hell. Like, <laughs> seems warm. Seems like a warm place. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> uh, so um, do you have any siblings growing up as well? Um, I do. I have an older sister. Uh, she's four years older than me. But uh, yeah, she lives in Miami. My parents live in Florida now. Oh, cool. Um, so when I was like 19, I went to college in Virginia and my parents moved to Florida instead of my sister. So I was kind of there alone. Um, I studied psychology in college, oh, wow. but I had like bands throughout college and- Acapella groups. Playing, no acapella <laughs> groups. I wouldn't go there, but um, I don't know. I do respect acapella <laughs> groups though. It's really hard. I don't understand how they do it. It's really it's hard. Amazing. But uh, yeah, I had bands there and this was like the MySpace era of the music I was doing, which was like pop punk, emo, power pop, that kind of genre. And started out putting music on MySpace, pretty simple. And 
you know, on MySpace, you had that, if anyone remembers, it was direct access to active fans. So if you went to a band that was bigger than your band in a similar genre, you could just go to the comments and add like every person that had commented that day. And usually for the bigger bands, you're talking about thousands of people per day. And in that, there wasn't followers or following. It was friends. It was all friends. So if if you were friends, you just had friends. That was it. So, which I also think is a healthier way to put it rather than followers right. versus following. Fo- followers, I mean, and I think uh, John Bellion in like conversations with my wife says like, I don't want to be a digital Jesus. Like <laughs> the idea that we have like followers feels like very Pied Piper-y. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Like, yeah. It's very strange. It's so, like what cliff are we walking off? Like, yeah, it's a little weird. And it also like causes you to compare a lot, Yeah, you know, which is like, you know, you're going to do that no matter what. Mm-hmm. But Regardless, so I guess it was a similar dynamic, but just a little different. But you're being strategic on MySpace. Yeah, so I'd be like, so my band was like, you know, pop punk, emo, power pop genre. So I'd be like, all right, we're kind of like All American Rejects. We're kind of like Fall Out Boy. We're kind of like this band. So you just go to their page and add everyone. And at that time, you know, someone that had commented that day, you know, one out of every five or 10 people would probably go listen to your music because you went to the page and it automatically starts playing. So I was able to get like some fans for my band on there. And then once they implemented iTunes sales, which were like the main Mm -hmm. way of consuming music at the time, you could put the, you could use TuneCore, which still is around today (laughs) and put your songs online. And it's like 10 bucks a year to put your whole album or EP or whatever. And then you could put the iTunes logo right next to your MySpace player. So I started seeing like an actual analytic to how many plays per day versus how many sales. Wow. So it started to sell and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to like go teach that person guitar lessons today. (laughs) Like I have enough money to make it to next week. This is great. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, you also get like to start your merch store and to play shows and do, if you want to do out of town touring and stuff like that. So, um, we got the attention of Fuel by Ramen Records mm-hmm. at the time, and we signed to them. And then I graduated school, and I had one with a degree in psychology. With a degree in psychology, I had so we got we signed the summer before my last semester, and I was like, if I don't graduate, I think my mom <laughs> will literally drive to Virginia and kill me. <laughs> so I was like, I need to graduate. So I begged them. I was like, can you? I have like literally like three months left. I'll play shows on the weekends. Like until then, then I'll tour nonstop. I promise. <laughs> And they're like, cool. So they, they were. I love how you were more scared funny. of like like Jewish moms than feel <laughs> yeah. by ramen. I feel like there there will be like people who are listening who totally understand that. Like I would rather piss off a label than my mom. A hundred percent. And I'm you know looking back, I don't even know if like I thought maybe at the time like if they really want to sign me, then they'll they'll honor this this request I have. Like it's not the greatest idea because that's really hard to do especially like if you're a band trying to sign to a subsidiary of a major at the time so they were nice well, and they were on the that. they were on the map with like paramore and stuff at that yeah point they had too. paramore yeah. fallout boy panic, panic at the disco small bands you know? yeah. <laughs> i mean cute is what we aim for they and they ended up having fun and yeah and 21 pilots assigned to them now yeah, so yeah. yeah so and then started touring after that and then uh, put out an album. We put out an EP and then an, a full length album. What was the name of that band? It was called Friday Night Boys. Cool. <laughs> so it was like, How did the name come to um, be? I don't know. We were just like partier guys, like different time of we're my the life. Friday Night Boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> were you, were you writing at the time for them? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was the writer and singer. Were you producing as well? Um, kind of. I had like a an engineer friend named Sean Small, who's actually a really great pop uh, producer. Uh, I think he lives in Nashville now. But he, um, like, we he kind of did metal in my in the area I lived, and I was like, "Yo, do you think you could do like a pop 
pop rock thing. And he was like, yeah, I was like, just make it sound like this. And I gave him like <laughs> all American rejects CD. And I was like, make it sound like this. And he was like, all right. So we did some recordings and he was like the first one. And I would like produce it with his help. And then, um, you know, he was an amazing engineer and producer. And then, um, when I came out here, I worked with a producer, um, for the album and then, you know, worked with some other songwriters. And that was my first introduction into co-writing. How did you meet the, Sean? Sean was just, he lived in like the town next to me. He was like a buddy's friend. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So he was just like, he was more into like computers at first. And they were, and like, we kind of, I think one of our friends convinced him to record, to learn how to record. So he could record like this metal band. Or Pro something. Tools 7 or? Yeah, it was on Cubase, I think. Wow, yeah, still yeah. On it, Or Nuendo maybe at the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sean's really awesome. And then worked with him and then worked with some people out here and then toured with the band for two years, um, did bunch of touring with all those bands at the time, like Boys Like Girls and wow. All Time Low and We The Kings and Cobra Starship and Forever The Sickest Kids, that kind of era mm-hmm. of uh, that 2009 Pop to 2010. Kinda. With so, like like a little bit of electronic. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was yeah. all about, you had to have the synth thing. That like yeah. bouncy super saw. Yeah. Like the The first thing that in my head is um, uh, the beginning of The Great Escape. Yeah. Uh, Boys Like Girls. Yeah. yeah. With electronic like, drums, yeah. like the little 808-909 drums in there. <laughs> the reason programming. I'm, I'm not even surprised <laughs> that you had that whole, like, I mean, you're, I think what's so cool about your style now is, is how there is that like bleed of like pop punk in there like right. yeah like like for people who grew up with it it's very familiar and those who didn't grow up with it just sounds like new music and it's kind of cool like the shifting there so i'm not i was gonna ask you if you had like a background yeah in, i mean that's how i learned punk, to but... sing my voice is like it just kind of goes into that zone i think because i just listened to those bands like Blink yeah. 182 yeah. and newfound glory and Sum 41 and good charlotte and simple plan and yeah. you know that whole thing i think those bands were inspiring because it's like you know, I, I grew, my mom loved Broadway and my dad loved Yes. Like mm. that was the dichotomy. And I, but I always thought like if, I, if you're going to sing, you have to sing like John Anderson or like uh, Adina Menzel. Like you had to be like a singer. And I think what was yeah. so so kind of cool about hearing people like Blake One Night Two is like right. undoubtedly great and iconic singers, but right. like it didn't have to sound like that. Like you right. could, what made a good singer was that they sounded like themselves. Yeah, totally. Um, and and that that I think was what I loved about that pop punk era. It was interesting, pop. not as much technique as it was like kind of just more emotive yeah. than anything. And I think like what you just said with Blink One Eighty Two, it was like you know, the first example of, of seeing someone of, especially being like learning how to play guitar or like trying to start a band, like being like, you know, you listen to the records and they sound unbelievably amazing. And then you see them live. And I was like, wait a minute, you don't like nothing against them. Cause I think they're all brilliant geniuses. And like, I admire them so much. And they're like one of my favorite bands of all time, but it, it was like the first thing to show you that like, you don't have to be that good yeah. at an instrument or at singing or at, you know playing the drums. Yeah, like, you just have to, to find to, that one thing to be successful yeah. in music. And like the main thing in their success is the songwriting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the voices are really cool, but it's not like they're technically amazing. Travis Barker is obviously different, but you know, it was just that they could write good stuff, and the parts were catchy, and they were simple, and also simple enough for like a little thirteen or fourteen year old kid to learn it on guitar. Yeah. Well, and I remember like when, like from first to last, like put out stuff like worlds away, mm-hmm. like, and I, I, and I had like a friend of mine with a great voice who did like a cover of it on the piano. And I'm like, Oh, that's a great song. And, mm-hmm. and she sounds great, but like, so does Sonny. And like, right. that's like the whole, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing. Right. Um, similarly, I, like, I think I first like learned to sing, like sing along to the fray and to Lincoln mm-hmm. park. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and my mom, you know, said, cause she's from like theater. It was like, you have to enunciate when you sing. And then you got like, <laughs> 
Isaac Slade with marbles in his mouth. And, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you have to like hit each note perfect. And you've got like just Chester just screaming right. wherever it goes. And, yeah. and that was super inspiring. Like the marbles that. in the mouth. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, Isaac Slade, like. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was the first mumble rapper, you yeah. know, Isaac Slade on, on uh, 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 he did the cable, Heartless cover. Oh, and, right. Yeah. But even Cable Car. Yeah. I mean, that song is gorgeous, but like you have to look at the lyrics. Oh yeah, yeah you know? of course. Um, but he meant it. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell that there's like that passion that people like connect. Of course, with. yeah. What prompted the move to Los Angeles? Was um, it like sort of happening in the same way that it is now? Um, ten years ago, kind of. I guess so. Wow. When you say ten Sorry. years ago, it yeah. is close to ten years ago. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, yeah, I guess so. Like same hustle and bustle of, as always with pop music. But I had started. So the the guy that produced my album is this producer Emmanuel Kiriaku, and I when I broke up my band I started working in Logic. I didn't you know I'd seen Cubase, I'd seen Pro Tools. I like you know I knew what went where, but not really how to produce mm-hmm. like in that way. So I just downloaded Logic, I bought it, and then started messing with it, and like got some samples from some friends that had drum samples and stuff, and started messing around and making tracks. And I started sending them to this producer Eman and. Uh, you know, I just send them tracks every week. Just like, here's a song I did. Here's a, just an instrumental. Here's whatever I did. And um, one day he was just like, yo, um, if I send you some songs, can you like add synths and drums and mm-hmm. effects and whatever to it, kind of doing some additional production? So um, I did that with like four tracks that he sent me, four songs that I think were for pitch at the time. Mm-hmm. And I got super lucky in that three of them were singles for people and all three were hits. Or the yeah. three songs. Um, one was Hot Show Ray Tonight Tonight. Huh. Right. One was Jason Derulo It Girl. And one was Selena Gomez Who Says. Yeah, damn. So he was like, I caught, I pretty much <laughs> caught him at like the hot, uh, really hot point. <laughs> so he was like, you should totally move out here because like we could work together and there's like so much opportunity out here for what you're doing. And like, you know that what you're doing is capable of working with these artists. So you should do it. So I had, a th- I remember I had a, th- had done a song for like a random local person and I had saved up a thousand dollars. So that that's all the money I had. And I called my buddy who I knew went back and forth from LA and the East coast. And he lived in a house. I was like, do you need like a roommate? And they go, you can live um, at our house in Granada Hills, which is about 30, 40 minutes North of LA. And he's like, the only place we have open is the garage. <laughs> and it's like, it's literally a garage, <laughs> you know, it's like, couple hundred a month or whatever. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll, yeah. give a shit. I'll come live there. <laughs> so, you know, the years before that, I was like sleeping on friends' couches, like living at buddies' apartments. I didn't really have any place to go when I was touring and stuff like that. So I saved up my money. I like had my guitar and my laptop and that was it. And then I moved there and there was, luckily they had a futon in the garage. So <laughs> I like got one of those AC units and like, so it wasn't like a million degrees in there. And I set up our little studio in the garage. So I worked there with, um, two of my buddies that, that I had moved in with. And there was five other people that lived at the house. So it was an eight person house. Damn. So it was kind of like a flop house. Wow. Um, and there's like, you know, some people in there were actors. One guy was like a film guy. Someone mm-hmm. else was doing something, you know, whatever they were doing. So I started working there. Just, were you doing sessions in the garage? Yeah. Wow. With whatever I could get, you know? So who were um, some of those early people you were like reaching out um, to? Um, I don't, there was like a Canadian band I worked with. I would do a lot of what what I called side hustles, which was just local singers or bands that wanted to do songs. And mm-hmm. I would either, you know, they would, we'd talk to each other on, at the time on Facebook or something. And I'd be like, yo, I'll do a song for like $250 or something. And I was like, I could, 
you know, my rent's like 300, so I could probably get by another month if I do a song for some group or something. The equivalent mm-hmm. of the Instagram hustle now. Yeah. yeah. The Instagramer wants to sing Exactly. Yeah. So, um, kind of just like random word of mouth. And there was like some people that knew my band. So I was mm-hmm. trying to like figure out any way to kind of survive without having too many side gigs in selling. And were everything. you coming in, like you came to Los Angeles with those three, or had they not come out yet by the time? Um, they hadn't, they hadn't come out yet. But you, um, did you know that like you were essentially sitting on like what would be like the first no, hits I didn't that know. You had? I okay. didn't really know yet. But um, he said like, I think this is going to be a Selena song. I just cut her on it. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. And so when I came out here, I was like, well, if I can just do that with like the first things I do, this is like, can't be that hard, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, famous last words, I guess. But like <laughs> the, uh, so luckily I came out here and I started working with that producer. I ended up signing to him. And um, we had some great opportunities. We did like stuff with Neo and Celine Dion. And like once I came out here, I was able to like co-write with them as well as produce, mm-hmm. not just do the additional production. So you were in the room with them at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just do the like additional production on top of finished songs. So um, that granted me some great opportunities. And then, um, but you know, right after that, when I moved, I was in the garage and I was like trying to get sessions on my own too, you know? Mm-hmm. So this was like, Twitter had been around for a couple years and the band Hot Shell Ray that I worked on Tonight Tonight, um, I didn't know them though. Mm-hmm. So they the song had, I think, just come out and it wasn't a hit yet. It was just out like this band. And I DM'd the guitar player Nash, who's like a really <laughs> great friend of mine now. And um, I was just like, hey man, I worked on Tonight Tonight. Like, do you want to come like right at my studio? <laughs> like my st- quote unquote studio garage. in this gr- yeah. weird garage that's like a million degrees, but I have this like whatever. So, <laughs> uh, so he was like, yeah. So they came there and we did like six songs. And the fourth song we did was the song called I Like It Like That, which was their second single. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just cool. Like we like worked with the band and I was like, oh my God, like I worked this band came in, we got another single and then like you get the second single and then it goes to radio. It did, I think it got to 15 at the top 40 radio. But at the time I was like, gosh, this music thing is really cool. Like like, not, not to say it's easy, but it kind of was like, I was like, I mean, it was a lot of hard work obviously, but like, I just had like a very skewed perspective off the top of what was happening. Well, you treated it like MySpace. I mean, it was like, here are the friends. Right. Like, we're going to just do it with the friends. Like, right. like this very like honest, organic kind of like connection of people. Um, right. And, and would you have to unplug the AC to record vocals? Was yes. that, yeah, right. I just wanted to paint that it was, picture. It was hell, yeah. So, um. Um, <laughs> so finally, um, so I, I did a bunch of songs with them and then they asked me and um, the, my two buddies that I had been living with at the time, um, who are also like music producers to work on their album. So I ended up doing like their entire album. Wow. So that was like my first like real experience with like a, you know, like a major label, a different act and stuff. And when that came out, I was able to be like, okay, we can afford a, a slightly nicer place in the garage. <laughs> so I moved into a house with the with the two guys um, in North Hollywood who did music there. I was working in a studio in Hollywood a lot, just like kind of around whatever I could get. But most of it's just like meeting people and word of mouth. And like you get set up with some people from, you know, I ended up getting a manager and um, a publisher and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But most of it was just kind of like organic. You just like, you, you have to make it happen yourself. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can have other people help you, which is great, but it really has to be on you. Well, and at the end of the day, like, especially if you're in the room with them, that's the relationship that matters the most. Oh, like your manager course. could set it up or anybody could set it up. But like when it's just you guys in the room, like that ha- energy has to be. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because 
like you can have, you know, managers or people working for you, but you know, like if a manager is taking 15 or 20%, why would they do a hundred percent of the work or right. 80% of the work? They're going to, yeah. you know, like what's fair is for them to do 15 or 20%. It's, I, w- I won't say that's the same for everybody, but if you view it that way, you're like, if I do all take it almost all the way, it will make their job easy and we can execute this, whatever the goal is. Rather than like my manager's not getting me anything or my publisher yeah. has any <laughs> shit, which you hear all the time, which, which is you know, which might be true, but it's not their job to get you stuff. It's your job to get you stuff, and they can help you if you yeah. if you start moving the stuff for yourself. Yeah, I think it's your job to put your manager to good use. Right, you know, exactly. they're like they're an employee as much as they're like your manager taken right. literally. And when like, new artists are like, when when do I get a manager? It's like when you know you need one. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I imagine it being like my my image of me, Noah, and Josh is like the zombie apocalypse movies where like it's the three of us all back to back and like the zombies just closing in slowly. You know, it's like when you when you suddenly have a back to cover. When you, know. you can't handle it yourself is a good time, you know, yeah. like that, what you're saying. Or, um, you know, some people are just like not business savvy and they're just like very creative or they don't want to deal with it. So you have someone else help yeah. you deal with that end of things. And it, and it can also be protection between what is happening in the logistics end and what's happening in the creative space. Like if you're working with someone and there's a deal issue, like you want to keep your creative relationship with those people as healthy as possible yeah. and not have the logistics issue come into play. So a manager can really step in and help you with that rather than like your mind being elsewhere. I get the sense though that you do to a degree enjoy some of the business stuff. Do you, is that? Uh, yeah. Accurate? I mean like I'm, I'm like aware of what's going yeah. on. Um, I do have like management and stuff like that, but I understand like how the, the business is structured, especially like when you're in public, you know, I've, I'm in my third publishing deal now. So I've, you know, I learned a lot about that and like management companies versus, you know, independent managers or large companies versus small companies. There's a lot of different uh, pros and cons to each, you know, like some people love having a big management company because they have really long arms and they have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. and a lot of specialty Mm -hmm. areas. Or some people like having smaller networks because their livelihood depends on yours mm-hmm. or their attention's focused on you. So I feel like there's there's good and bad things to each. Well, and I think the word that you just use, like the uh, the long arms, is like mm-hmm. a very interesting sort of metaphor for it. It's like you know, long arms is also like at an arm's length. Like some, <laughs> I know a lot of people who are not necessarily like friends with their manager. The manager mm-hmm. is like the person. Whereas like ours, like we hang out with them, and right. we, you know, and and there are pros, like you said, pros and cons to everything. Mm-hmm. But I think like feeling it out is is solid. Were you when you were starting with the Hachalray stuff? Did you have any management or anything? Um, at that, I had that just point? gotten a management like when it came out. I'd gotcha. gotten management, and I had I had already had a publishing deal that carried over from my band that I had signed because I needed money because I was insanely <laughs> broke when the band started playing shows. And so that was carrying over. And, you know, they were like, as any publisher, like, I, I guess I didn't really have like, I wasn't like putting them to as much use as I probably could have. So they were there and taking the publishing percentage, but, um, you know, helping where they could, where I would allow them. But I probably could have like, looking back, maybe had like, taking a couple more meetings or just been a little more active, but you know, I would send them songs I would do and mm-hmm. see if we can get them placed and all that stuff. So this was all, am I right in saying around like 2011? 2011 and 12 was when this was kind of happening. And, and you had a run from there. I saw like Demi Lovato and, and Fifth Harmony had that, all that sort of. Um, so after that, the, the producer I was working with E-Man, we, we had like kind of become like sort of like a production duo in a way. Um, we were, or just at least we were doing a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. So we had, 
some really great opportunities with Demi and some other like stuff on Hollywood records. And, you know, there was some Disney stuff here and there. <laughs> and then, um, you know, stuff like that. We had like a fifth harmony cut together and stuff like that. So we had and Celine Dion and Neo, we had that opportunity, which was really cool. So what yeah. was it, was it like during, during that time? Like, was there almost like a sense of relief? Like I'm out here and this is happening like, or, um, I don't think so. I think I was, uh, just really concentrated on like what to do next, how to take it to the next level. Cause what I did a lot more then than I do now was constantly comparing, which is like so toxic to the mind. Cause I'd be like, all right, I got this out. This is cool. But like, why am I not having a huge number one hit? Like Kesha just had a huge hit or like, Hey, there's <laughs> Katy Perry out. And like, these people are doing this and these people are doing that. So I was really caught up in the main goal was like, I wanted like number one hits. I wanted to have mm-hmm. like bigger and bigger and bigger hits. And I'd be like, Oh my God. And then like the jealousy and then all this stuff comes into play that you really have to like grow and, and learn a lot about yourself. So I started, you know, you know, you see someone get a number one, you're like, wait, why did that producer and that writer got, they just got a number one with so-and-so like I need to get in places where that's happening. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to just like pivot and, you know, like you're always trying to like modify and persist and experiment and try to figure out where you, where you kind of can get in to have, more success, at least in that realm. Do you remember when you made the decision to start the Friend Project and what the last song you had worked on for somebody else was before you made that switch? Yes. So after just working with other people, obviously there's 90% of your pitched material goes, you know, it's in your iTunes library, or at the time iTunes library, <laughs> or just on your computer somewhere, you're on your phone, I guess yeah. now. Um, and sometimes it's disheartening because there are songs that you feel could have a, a major effect or could be really big for someone that just go into the ether of just whatever happens. Pitch hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I had just done um, an entire album with an artist. She she's a, a she was a super talented artist. She still is. She's so awesome. And um, I had gone just gone really deep into it. It was kind of like in the realm of like an alternative like imaging heap, really extensive synth work and and production who's, stuff. Who was the artist? Um, it says artist Annabelle Jones. So mm-hmm. we, I had done an EP with her that came out and we were working on this full length. And um, we were just like working, you know, I was blocking out weeks at a time to, to do it. And we were just making such great progress. And, and we had worked with... Um, the guy from Postal Service, not Ben Gibbard. The other guy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a super sweet guy. And um, so we got a hold of him because I was like such a massive fan of his. <laughs> and I was like, hey, can you, um, if we send you these songs, can you do like your synth stuff on it? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. So he he mainly works with modular synth. So he has like a oh, modular awesome. wall. And so I would send him songs and he would send me back like between like seven and 12 tracks of like... Boop, Cassette tapes in the mail. <laughs> yeah, or, or, yeah, not really, but it files. But like, <laughs> but um, I wish it was. And then, uh, you know, just like the, just some really cool sounds that like I would never be able that's, to get on my own. Awesome. Like just like some wacky stuff running through all this hardware. And so we, I was, I was putting, pouring my heart and soul into this thing, and we had finished. I think it was fifteen songs, and. Um, there was just some like, you know, there was some logistic stuff, the label, the A&R was moving mm-hmm. to a different label, this and that happened. And, uh, the, th- and I found out that the album wasn't coming out. So like whatever happened, they weren't sure when they wanted to put it out. They're like, maybe you should go back in and do more. And I was like, I've done 15 songs and haven't gotten paid anything. <laughs> so I'm not going to, like, I was so burnt out. I'd put like everything I had into it. And then um, that weekend, it was like, <clears throat> it might've been like three or four days after that, you know, I was like, kind of just like taking a break and be like, shit. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what's next. I'm going to have to think of something else. 
And uh, I just went home and I wrote this song and I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like writing and recording the vocals, which I hadn't really done. I usually work with someone that sings also and that usually they sing it. And I don't but you have it. a history as a singer of the Right, and I knew, yeah. and like usually, like especially at that, I guess this was 2016, just like like my voice isn't like that, like it's, it's a kind of emo sounding, so it's not really, I, I just didn't think of it as fitting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like everything in writing session, they'd be like, oh, it sounds like too like emo kind of, like maybe it's more <laughs> like R&B or whatever it was, you yeah. know? So I wrote this full song called Friend and um, I brought it, I was at the studio and I like ran into um, a couple people I had worked with and I was like, yo, I just made this song. Like, I don't know who to send it to. So I played it and um, one of my friends who's like uh, one of my business partners now, Evan Bogart, was like, I played it for him. He's like, why don't you put this out? And I was like, I guess I could. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, why don't you, he's like, what's the song called? I was like, friend. He's like, what'd you call, what if you call it like? You could just do like friend, like F, but do like F R N D, and I was like, "Oh, I like that." And it's like kind of, and the first song was called Friend, so mm-hmm. I had the song before I had the name hmm. for the project. Huh. That's cool, which is interesting. And it was kind of like I had created what it was, but my my friend Evan had kind of like gave Na- the idea, name it. It named it, which yeah. was cool. And then as time went on, uh, like when I first started putting stuff out, people were like, "Oh, like." They were putting a bigger meaning to it, and they were thinking of things I didn't think of. So, like, someone was like, FRND is like a friend without the I and without end. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I'm stealing that. Sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, people are going to think I'm prolific now with this, with this shit. But, um, <laughs> I, I love I love that song. Um, did you ever watch the show Entourage? Yes. There, there was a scene, it was, it's, I'm not a crazy fan of the show, but there was one line that I thought was brilliant in it, which was um, when the main character was starting to see uh, Mandy Moore. And at one point, she's like, I'd rather just be friends, whatever. And like later on, she sort of drives up and she's like, hey, you want to come to the hotel? And he goes, uh, as friends? And she goes, I have too many friends. Mm. And like, oh, it's very or like, I have enough friends. <laughs> yeah. So that, what, I, what I love, I'm like, you know, I was like, I, I, I think I saw the episode I went to know. I'm like, 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 this is a really great idea for a song. And he's like, Nate and he plays, <laughs> he plays your song. Yeah. I'm like, it's done. You did it. It's oh my the, gosh, that's it's, it's the your song of uh of uh well you know how like like your song by Elton John is like the song right. about songwriting, right. you know? Uh that's the the song about uh not wanting to be just friends with somebody. Oh, amazing. It's a great, great song. What's really cool is that there there are three different drops. Right. Which is super <laughs> unconventional, but like totally works. And like, what, what, what was the, the thought process behind the writing of that? And also, like, did it come from a real experience? It did come from and- a real place. So the, the concept is kind of twisted in a way that I hadn't uh, written about before. So I had gotten into an argument with another male friend of mine, and uh, it was over a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, you know, I told him that I was like talking with this person and he was also like trying to talk to her after he knew that I was talking to her. It was kind of just like a high school drama yeah. bullshit. But, high school never but ends. Yeah. yeah, so what was interesting was I was just like, oh wow, I like learned more like in this process, I learned about this guy. This guy is like not really my friend. <laughs> He's just like a guy I know. He's an acquaintance. So I like sat one night on the guitar and I was like, I wrote the chorus part. And I was like, damn, that guy's really not my friend anymore. That's weird, because I thought it was, you know? And it's kind of like a weird place, because that happens to people. But I had never been, like, triggered in that way of, like, writing a song about it. So, and I was like, damn, I'm not going to be able to be, like, friends with him anymore. So it's kind of like, it's not a fuck you song, but it's just kind of saying, like, 
this guy is not, you know, someone you thought was your bud is not. So, you know, friend, friend have come to an end, you know, it's like, <laughs> shit, this guy is not a buddy. So I ended up writing that hook and then, you know, I made the track and the first drop I had originally just had like, I, I did it in swing for whatever reason. I don't know <laughs> why. I was just like, oh, maybe it's a swing. Like, what? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I did it. I just did it. And then, um, you know, played the chords. I was like, those are cool in the verse. And I was trying to like pull in some pop songwriting aspects of like, all right, if the verse is like a little more sparse, maybe the hook is like more, because since the hook is active, maybe the verse is more sparse. So, and then when the drop came, I had done the first synth I did, I I made the drums first, which I guess is like sort of weird. I just like did the drums. And then I found this like synth patch on Reveal Sound Spire that was like, like a stupid bass synth. And I just played the notes and I was like, that sounds cool. And then originally like the little vocal chop, it's just out of a sample phonics pack. And it's like, it's like that thing and I just chopped it up a little bit and changed the key and originally I just had the synth going and then that vocal came in on the second half and uh, I had sent like I think a verse chorus verse chorus to one of my buddies and I was like yo I just made this song like what do you think of this and he was like dude that vocal thing needs to be like when the drop hits (laughs) and I was like oh because originally it just hit and there was no vocal it was just the synth bass I was like that's kind of weird so maybe that's cool Mm. And then once I put it there, I was like, oh, then I had my roommate come in. I was like, is this better And I, like than this? And I like A-B'd him. He's like, yeah, that's better. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, it's hard to know sometimes. You're yeah. just well, having music. the extra years, like we were yeah. talking about, like before we pressed record, we were talking about like roommates and how like having musical roommates have that perspective is like. A hundred percent. You're yeah. like, oh, that maybe that is better. Or yeah. even non-musical roommates, just like people who like music. And right. it's like, oh yeah, I would send it to our friend, my friend back in New York, who's not a musician, but listens to a ton of electronic music. Right. We're like, is this how drops sound? Yeah. Like, we don't know. <laughs> like, you're just guessing. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it feels like when you're at the eye doctor, they're like, number five or number six. It's just like, I I think that one's better. Like, like, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I've lost all perspective. That's a joke that you two get. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Glass. I, I'm not bespeckled, you know, but, but that, that, yeah, when we were making electronic, we were like tourists in it. And so yeah. like, I would send it to my friend who would go to festivals and everything. Like, right. would you dance to this? And he was like, <laughs> It's a little fast, like it's a little right. weird. We did like a drum and bass thing accidentally after like a like a halftime drive. It was dumb. And <laughs> he was like, This is dumb. None of our music friends said that. It was right. him who uh Interesting. Was like, but you need that perspective sometimes. So he he A B like, alright, that's that's Yeah, the so one. I was like, I'll yeah. use that. And then I was like, you know what? At the end, I haven't done like like guitar stuff. Like my first instrument was a guitar and like mm-hmm. so much stuff at the time was just synth and I like, mm-hmm. wasn't doing guitar. And I was like, I should do like a, a weird kind of like one of those like space rock guitar, like <laughs> circus survive things. Yeah. So I just like hit guitar notes and I put like the sound toys echo boy on like that dotted the edge from U2 delay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I put the swing up and I, you know, usually it's palm muted, but in this one I just hit the notes and chopped them. So there was like isolated notes and it gave that kind of like panning delay effect in the in the next drop. And I didn't like when I was done, I wasn't like, oh my God, this is sick. Oh my God. Like I was just like, like this is a weird song, I guess. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, is it good? Does anyone care? I don't know. Like, I have no idea. So I put it out and then um I got some just like early introduction into what it was, because I wasn't sure what the genre was. And then I like realized there is like a genre of this like electronic like mid down tempo emo ish 
EDM. Yeah. Just like coming not, up exactly around that. It was weird. Time. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know what it was. And then like some of these YouTube channels picked it up like Suicide Sheep, mm-hmm. Cloud Kid, Koala Control. And I was like, this is, I was like, oh, this is the genre. Like I didn't even understand. And then I started, I just went down their playlist and I was like listening to the stuff and I was like, oh shit, like this is just like this stuff. Cool. Yeah, I can do that. At least I fit in into somewhere, you know? And like, it was also kind of, it was humbling too. Cause it's like, oh, like I'm not as inventive as anyone thinks they are. You know, hmm. I didn't think it was like, I didn't think it was like some amazing thing. I just thought it was a song, you know? Well, well it's interesting. Cause like you, in a sense, you know, you started in a vacuum and didn't like you were working in like the pop world, mm. but also recognizing what would essentially be like the next generation of pop. I mean, now with like, right. like the Eilish future basic, like, yeah, yeah. minimalist. Um, like what we were doing was like in a vacuum, and then we sort of realized that we had sort of accidentally stumbled into similarly like that, like a genre. genre yeah, I think there's just sort of an Occam's razor to stuff like that sometimes, where like multiple people, even in a vacuum, will come to similar conclusions about right. like what something should sound like, and then right. you're like, oh, that's super interesting. It's it's so weird. What, what what I think is cool too about you like describing just coming up with the guitar sound is like in the course of ten seconds, you quoted Circus Survive and The Edge. Like you, ha- <laughs> I mean, you have these you had these influences like at your fingertips mm. and like sonically that stuff. But were there artists that you were listening to when you started uh, the Friend Project that you were like okay, this is, like, if I, if I went on tour with these people, that would work. Um, I, I actually didn't, which is weird. Like, I, like, have the music I like, you know, and then, like, stuff at the time I was listening to, but I wasn't like, oh, I want to make a project like that person. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, like, I, was, I started to hear these people that were, like, in the zone of what I was doing, and I was like, oh, that's a lot like this. Interesting. So then I would listen to their music and, you know, be influenced by that as well. But I wasn't, I wasn't really aiming for something. It wasn't like the... Cause I didn't, I wasn't like going for anything. Mm. I don't know. I just like made whatever came out, which I guess there's an advantage and disadvantage to that. Cause I didn't mm. know what it was or, yeah. or care really. I was just like, <laughs> okay, like whatever, you know, there's definitely an honesty to that though. Yeah. To I not think aiming it was, for something. Right. Just creating, and also and being because, like, this is weird. because I like do a lot of stuff for other people often. It's like, I was like, oh, this is just like something I have, you know, it wasn't like I need to like, this is like where my new direction is and where I'm going musically now. And this is what matters to me. So you're still producing other people when you started. Yeah. And I still do now all the time. But yeah, it was just like kind of like a thing I just did. And I was like, okay. And um, then I, then I needed to put it out. And at first I didn't want to like have it be me because I was like, all right, I want it to like maybe be hidden or something. So I was like on Reddit or something stupid. And then I saw this like koala picture. And I sent it to my buddy and I was like, all right, I need a logo. Maybe I just like make my friends like a really good graphic designer. And I was like, maybe I just have him like make this into a cartoon. So I sent him this koala picture. I was like, can you make this thing like this koala look like he's just like a lazy, like tired (laughs) playing video game koala. And then I was like, yeah, Uh, he was like, yeah. So he sent it back and I was like, all right, I'm just going to use this. And that was it. And so then I just kind of, um, the advantage to that is like moving forward, I could kind of base a lot of things off that imagery mm-hmm. of like having the cartoon character. That's, that's like the um, the avatar. Right, your, your, exactly. Your, uh, so online avatar. So it started out just being represented to that and then I could, you know, base everything around that. And then eventually I just started posting promo pictures and whatever, just because I wanted a little more to personally engage in, in the music and, and the fans and stuff. Do you remember like the first artist you worked with um, after the Friend Project launched? Um, I'm not sure. I, I really can't remember because I think I just like did that song and then, you know, I just continued on with sessions during the <laughs> week and that was that. It, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't like 
and then it struck me in and this then, moment. And, and everything like, froze. I and just yeah, made some yeah. fucking song yeah. and that was that, you know, whatever. So I think there's a lot of myths around like origin stories and stuff right. and, and, and everything does feel like it's sort of frozen in space. But like, I, you know, I, I look back at like a journal when, like, when we started and like, oh yeah, the next day, like it was just another day. It was like, whatever, it was just, you know, yeah. and like you can, you know, there are those aha moments that you have, but I, I didn't think much of it until I saw when it came out, I saw what I was like, whoa, like people why do people like this? This is mm. weird. Like they're like attracted to it for some reason. Cause it was like on the viral Spotify and there was like these YouTube channels that were picking it up and I didn't understand. Hype machine too. Probably. Around yeah. And it was like yeah. on hype machine. I knew what hype machine was, but I was just like, what? I was like, this is just some fucking stupid song. What the <laughs> hell? I was like, well, maybe there's like an opportunity here to make more music and to build a different type of way for people to hear music. I make other than just what comes out with other people. Yeah. So it was more seen as that than like, this is my like, crazy vision i was just like at the time i was just like kind of making what i thought I, I just wanted to kind of hear did you have to around the time also start compartmentalizing like what was your sound versus as an artist versus your sound as a producer mm-hmm. i think so i think like there's certain like maybe topics i'll write about but it did help me with writing too because like with my projects sometimes i'll write concepts that aren't like pop concepts necessarily mm-hmm. maybe a little more specific or a little more interpersonal or random and um it was just helping me in sessions because i was like you know thinking of different ways of saying stuff or like different perspectives on the same right or like how i would say it for friend or maybe it's this and then also in the production um it kind of opened some doors too because i I worked with some people that were like yo i heard like the friend stuff i wanted to like work with you so i was like oh this is like awesome also because even if they if no one gives a fuck about the music if somebody hears it and likes it then maybe I'll have it'll give me some more opportunities of working with some other artist I haven't had access to or that I like that that I didn't know about. Yeah. You know? And even now you're you're no longer sort of in the behind the scenes. Like if an artist likes your voice, like you could be like a feature and all that. Exactly. That stuff. Uh, was it around that time also you worked with Lincoln Park? Yes, it was like I think it was working with Lincoln Park was slightly before that. But um, what was that like? So that was an opportunity brought to me by Black Bear. So I had worked with him a bit and he goes, hey, um, Linkin Park wants to work. And I was seeing if you wanted to come in to do it with me. Like, I feel like we're, you know, we work good together and it'd be really cool. And I was like, tell me when and where. And I'm like, that's like one of my favorite bands. I was like, of course, like whatever, let's go. So um, we went to the studio and they had, when we went in, they had songs composed already. They had like narrowed down, they had written a bunch of songs. They had narrowed them down of what they wanted. So they had picked two songs that we were working on. So we just went in, me, Black Bear, Mike Shinoda, Chester, and Brad. Wow. Um, at the studio and they had the songs and we started, you know, building the drums, just like anything, building the drums, adding the <laughs> yeah. synths, tracking the guitar, like doing whatever, trying to th- think of weird ways, editing the kick patterns, the sound palette, the um stuff like that as we went along. That was one of the crazier, amazing moments. I was like, I was just like the whole time I was like what the fuck? Yeah, I was gonna ask. I like, I know it's a simple, simple question, but were you nervous? What, like, yes. how are you? Yeah. I was nervous as shit. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I went in there. I wasn't nervous." I was like, "I was nervous as fuck." It was Lincoln Park, dude. Come on. Did you ever say like, "Oh yeah, I grew up with your yes. stuff"? Like, yeah. The first thing I said, I was like, "Dude, I'm like the biggest fan." Of this this is so like, yeah, fucking yeah. cool for me. And so, like the first, the first session, I said that, and then the first session, I was like, I was trying to play cool and just be like, you know, like we're all making music here, yeah. so let's just go mm-hmm. for it. And then, um. I think it was. A, uh, I think we worked like four or five days, like getting these songs together, 
And I think it was the third or fourth session I was talking to Brad, the guitarist. And he's like one of my buddies now, which is so cool. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. So not to like brag or say no, that, but it was no, like we became friends yeah. from working together, which, yeah. you know, doesn't happen all the time. But like we were sitting there and I was like, okay, so on hybrid theory in <laughs> Runaway, when you guys like did this, like, was that a flange on the guitar or was it like a phase shifter? And he was like... Okay, you know a lot more about like the band than I think. <laughs> and I was like just asking him questions about stuff. I wonder. I always wondered, and and it was so funny because there was like, I was like, okay. So when we were working, I noticed that. So Mike is like not only a sick songwriter, but he's like an amazing engineer and producer. Like he's sick on the MPC, he's sick in Pro Tools. He knows how it all works. Like, so Brad is like very. Um, tuned into like structure and soundscape and and what are par- what parts go where and what sounds good and what works and what doesn't. So I was like, I've always wondered this. Like, if you don't mind me asking, why do you wear those headphones when huh. you when you perform? Because he's always worn those big yeah yeah headphones. He's like, I used to wear them at practice, and then like you know it just kind of became my thing. So I wore them. I was like, cool. <laughs> so as we're working, Brad doesn't like listening to music loud. Like it's really quiet. He just he he says he hears it better. Um, when the music's quiet. So we're like listening pretty quiet. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the guy from Linkin Park. And we're listening quiet. You played in a fucking heavy metal band. Like, come on. <laughs> but like, I was just like, all right, if that's how he hears it, cool. Like, and I know a lot of mixers mix quiet and stuff yeah. like that. So I was like, whatever. So as on the last day, I was sitting there and I was like, you wear the headphones because you don't like listening to music loud. And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. I mean, he didn't tell me yes or no, but I was like, that's what I came you up had with. Pegged, yeah. I that's was like, so he funny. does not like he, he obviously they had in-ears and stuff, but I was like, he just didn't want to hear it that loud. So he wore the headphones and he just always wore them. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> that's my theory on why he wore them. I saw, I saw Lincoln Park at Madison Square Garden as a kid. Like that was my <laughs> first and only Lincoln Park show. They, right. uh, Coed and Cambria and Chiodos opened for them. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy, a show right Crazy there. show. And I just, you know, I, like you're, you're talking about him. I just spotlight on him for uh, In Pieces, that guitar solo yes. that he does. Like, oh, yeah. That's my image of this guy. So this is an insane, insane story. What, what was it like working with Chester? What was he like in the, um, in the room? Just like, just, I don't know. It's, it's, it was so, it was so surreal mm-hmm. too. Cause I was just like, okay, that's Chester, holy shit. And he just like very in tune, very into the music, very passionate um, about parts and like what the beat should be like and how it should come off. And like he would always, and he would like go to the piano and play something and then he'd come back in and there was a part where like we were hearing something and he was doing something with his mouth. He's like, the beat should go like this. And I was like, dude, why don't we just like do that on the mic? So he like beatboxed this thing. It was a song that I think that one that he did that on didn't come out. But uh, he was just so passionate about music. And it was just, I don't know, it was, it's just so weird to think about all that has happened since he's been gone. And it's just like, it's just weird. Because I don't know, he's a sweet, they were all such sweet guys. And there's something to be said about their levels of success and how humble and respectful they are as people. Like, they're just regular guys. Yeah, they had the biggest record in the world. They're when regular Hybrid guys. Theory no bullshit. No, yeah. yeah, man. Like no cool guying you. No attitude. No ego. The absence of those things, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's like a testament because to their success. That yeah. is that is mm-hmm. probably a large part of yeah. their success is not having those dark pieces of of people's personalities that can happen when they get 
massive success. Well, I think the industry is very like almost inherently humbling mm-hmm. just because no matter who you are, you can get your ass kicked mm-hmm. by just whatever. And I think that people either react to that by putting up the ego wall or react to that by like being honest and vulnerable and kind mm-hmm. throughout, you know, like, and if you have, I feel like the true sign of the, I guess like self-esteem and like the not being insecure is having that wall down mm-hmm. or you're just a guy or a girl or, or they, you know, like you're just a person and, and not that's what lost pe- in it. Yeah. Either. And that's like, what people relate to. And like, you know, like around that time, I started just reading a lot of books about that, you know, cause when you're working in the music industry, there's a lot, like what I was telling you before, like with like the comparison and mm-hmm. like the big quote comparison is the thief of joy. Like, huh. like the second you start to compare your life to, to not your previous self, but to others, you can go down an endless web of bullshit, like of where you'll, is there even a way to be happy at that point or yeah. like to, to reach success? So um, just meeting those guys really opened up my eyes. I was like, holy shit, like the biggest, and I also noticed this with some, some of the bigger people I've met, for instance, Celine Dion, mm-hmm. the biggest people are the coolest huh. because they have not one fucking thing to prove. <laughs> They've proved everything. So like, I don't, I don't have anything to prove. So I can just be a regular fucking person and like a, a person that asks what your name is and doesn't brag all the time and, and laughs at jokes and, you know, and you're not trying to impress them because they don't have, mm-hmm. they don't have anything to prove. They've already proved everything. They don't have to have those walls or that. Exactly. Like and higher ground. And like the, you know, like, cause like the ego, ego and people that are egotistical, it's, it's a childish desire. It's like, oh, if I'm this way, like nobody knows what. Like, nobody knows how good I am. Like, they don't get it. Like, it's their fault. It's not mine. Like, it's like, or like, I'm just a fucking person. You're not, not everything you do is going to be fucking awesome. Some of it's going to suck ass. <laughs> some of it might be dope. Some of it's going to be, eh, and some of it's going to suck. That's just how it works with anything. I don't know. But meeting them was, re- it was just like ensuring. I was like, all right, these guys have more, like, have had more success. Yeah? Like The biggest rock band in the world for years on end. Won award after award. And like... I text with Brad about getting lunch. Like, he's not <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, I don't know. I'll have to check with my assistant. He's like, yeah, let's, you know, he's, it's whatever. They're chill guys. So that was like a really great experience, mm-hmm. not only with making music, but just seeing how they were. Do you think that we almost have this like inherent hope that people who are in that space are assholes or inhuman so that they don't feel like us, like, you know, <laughs> that, sure. that they're outside of us or like, I, it, what, what I think is so interesting, there's almost something like cathartic about hearing that like a big artist is an asshole. Well, well yeah, because you like, when, when you when you see someone standing in front of a crowd of like sixty thousand people, just on a human level, it's hard to compute that 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 person is in many ways just like you. That's a hard yeah. thing to wrap your head around as a person. But I think the longer you're in any industry, you you start to notice that that is true. Yeah, and you know the there it can be it can go both ways because I'm sure you guys have met people. You're like oh like I've always looked up to you or like you're a huge influence on me and it's the opposite. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. don't meet your idols is the other <laughs> thing. But it was just like one of those instances where you meet them and you're like, thank fucking God these <laughs> guys are cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause holy shit. That's like just proof that you can just be a regular person and have the, it's not like they were a kind of big rock mm-hmm. man. They were the biggest for years on end. So like knowing that and seeing how just like great people they were, it was just so inspiring. And I was like, holy shit, you don't have to be an asshole to be successful or yeah. think you're the shit or like think your ideas, no one can touch them or talk big game or do any of this. You can just be a person and make 
material. I think they're skilled in like de- almost <laughs> diffusing that like potential tension too. Mm-hmm. Like it, what I was telling you when when you came in, like uh, in the same week, I ran into Bear and, and Halsey, mm. um, and both like almost immediately were just calming, like very like soothing and like. You know, Bear was shooting. I'm like, uh, oh, sorry to bother. He's like, I got two minutes. Like, what you got? Like, what's up? How, how's uh, it going? Like, you know, Halsey, too, remembered me from four years ago in Boston. And we talked about that in the last four years. Whatever. It was like, you know, and and these are making some of the biggest records in pop music. But right. they they were so good at diffusing, like, my sort of fears about interacting with them. Mm-hmm. Like, fears. who is this guy? Get him out yeah, of here. Yeah, you know, they, 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 were, they, were so, they were so, they, they, without saying it, recognized that I was nervous. And then they just were like, you don't have, like, without saying it, like, you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. And it was just very nice, you know, because they, they probably have that, those skills built in from the, the myriad of people. Of yeah. course. They interact with. Yeah, and it's hard. And like, you know, they're people too. Like, yeah. they're just like, their profession is just doing something slightly different than most people, you yeah. know? So how did you first meet Black Bear? Um, he was just like a buddy of my friends that he was like a roommate of my, my two friends that they're, they're songwriters and they had played in bands and that's how I knew him because we had toured, my band had toured with them and they had gone to songwriting just like I had. So it was like back in like the Matt Musto pop punk, uh. That's like when I knew these guys, but I didn't meet him until 2012. He was like their roommate or whatever. And, um, I knew him from that. And then he had that song Boyfriend mm-hmm. with Justin Bieber come out. Yeah. So I would, I would see him out at like events or parties or like if I had a party at my house, he would like come and hang or whatever. And I would go there. And then um, just years went by. And it was funny because at first, I don't know if we got along, which is weird because huh. I usually tr- I at least try to get along with someone. But I feel like maybe our, at the time our personalities had just were clashing. I, I didn't want to like hang with them really. And then, you know, some time went by and then one day uh, we had talked and he's like, yo, why don't we like get a day and go to the studio? Huh. And I was like, let's do it. Fuck yeah, let's go. So, um, you know. What some, had come out around that time? Like where was he in his um, That was career? after IDFC mm-hmm. and he had, I had never worked with him, but it was before Digital Drug Lord. So I think this is in like, I don't exactly remember, 2015 sometime. And he's like, let's go to the studio. I was like, all right, cool. So we went to... I think it was at Universal Publishing. We went to the studio over there. And he's like, I can write over something super minimal. So just like, if you play something, I can just write over it and we can produce it out later. Because he's also a producer, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I played Thing. We made some song that was like maybe in an hour. He's like, let's try something else. And I was like, oh, I have this like vocal sample thing I found in GarageBand. Like in <laughs> one of those like uh, jam packs or something. Like Apple Loops. And it was this thing I had like messed around with. And he's like, that's cool. And then he's like, can you just like play an 808 and I'll just like, we can just write over that. What was the sample? Um, it was just this thing was like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> it was all like this reverby thing. And it, and I thought it was going to be the main facet of the song. Like, oh, this is like the piece of the song. And then I ended up, it's like barely, you can barely hear it in the song now, you know? <laughs> so I played the 808s and he's like, all right, let me look through my tweets. I've been having some good luck, like just finding my tweets that I had the most retweets of lyrics <laughs> and I've been writing the song. <laughs> So he's like, all right, well, my most retweeted one is this one that says, do, re, mi, fa, so fucking done with you. And I was like, dude, that's I was cool. like, that's kind of cool. I was like, I wonder, I was like, I wonder if it's like you do it like sound and music, like, do, re, mi, fa, so fucking done with you. Da. You know, it goes like that. Yeah. He's like, all right, he's like, play the 808. So I played the 808 thing. And it was so funny because I remember doing it and it's like A minor, G, F sharp, F, which is like, well, you're the F sharp over the D major, I guess, but like. 
I was just like, that's kind of weird, but it sounds cool, I guess. So I just did that with snaps. <laughs> and the vocal thing, I just like filtered down and put it in the verse. And I was like, that sounds cool. So he goes in, he's just like, yeah, he was doing the verse thing. And then he started like singing the chorus part. And I was like, oh, that's sick. And he was singing like the different notes of it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then we kind of figured out the pre-chorus together. And then he had like most of the first verse. And he's like, all right, so I don't even know if he tracked a rough. He might have not, but he was like, I'm going to go home because he recorded his own vocals. He always does. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I'm going to go home and finish the second verse and send you a thing. So I I was working on the first song. We'd send it out and pitch. No one cut it. It was just like some random song. Then he sent me the vocal and I got it in and I just like arranged it, you know, added the pre-chorus, second chorus, little bridge part with the formant shift thing and then the last chorus. And I sent it back. He's like, yo, this is really dope. And I was like, yeah, it sounds really cool, man. I was like, it's super catchy. He's like... It might be like a little too pop for me. And I was like, yeah. I was like, should we pitch it and see what's up? And he was like, yeah. So we sent it around either. The, this might have been the end of 2015 or the very beginning of 2016. Huh. We were sending it around. And it was like kind of a weird zone of like no man's land because there weren't hmm. really artists cutting stuff like that. You know, hmm. like we were just like, I don't know what to do with this. And like we sent it to some labels. And it was so funny because one of the labels was like, this is a pass for me. We're not going to I don't know who would cut this. And it was like a label that ended up working with him and like (laughs) later on. So time came around when he was doing his next album or like he was about to release his next album. And he was like, yo, um, it was like probably like two months out from the album coming out. I was like, hey, I think I want to put this on the album. And I was like, sick, dude. I was like, do it. And and I'd been to like he would have people over and play some of his music for like, you know, a party of people. And like Mm. and when we whenever he would play that song, it wouldn't really like go off. Like they would go off more for like his other stuff, like mm-hmm. Chateau mm-hmm. and like some of these other ones. Like, and I was like, shit. I was like, maybe the song just doesn't like bounce like those or something. I was like, maybe it's just like whatever, you know. And then he's like, I'm gonna put this out. And then his man, I ran into his manager. His manager was like, Yo, dude, I think that song's like a big one. Huh. I was like, Really? He was like, Yeah. Is that Tabari? Tabari, yeah. yeah. And I was like, Okay, like sick. So I was like, I think I'm gonna put this out. And I and in that time, I'd worked on one other song with him that he had had. He played me and we had kind of done the production together. What was that song? Um, it was called uh, Wish You the Best oh, on yeah. his album. So he had it. It was just over that sa- that stalking Gia sample. Mm-hmm. And um, we had taken it and made it a little more like Future Basie and done that stuff. But so he's like, I'm going to put this one out next. And I was like, for Do Re Me. And I was like, all right, sick. As a single. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's great. And he was like, can you send me the mix, like a wave of the mix again? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, can you make it louder? And I was like, oh, like master it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay. He's like, just slam that. I didn't really know what to do. I was, he's like, slam the L1 on it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I just had like, I think I was using Ozone 4 at the time. Because so nice. I, like, I just like learned on that. Then AOM Invisible Limiter and then the L1. And I was like, just cramming it. And I was just A being it. He's like, it's not. And then I sent it to him. He's like, it's not loud enough. He's like, it's not as loud as some of these other songs. So I like pulled up something that was big at the time and I was A-Bing it and I was like, all right, I think it's finally loud enough. And I sent it to him. I wasn't even thinking. I was like, wait, am I, I guess I'm mastering it. Like, I don't know what that is. You know, like, I don't know what to do, whatever. I was like, I'm just trying to make it not sound like it's distorting. Right. So I sent it to him and he was like, okay, this is dope. <laughs> so then it came out and it got like, you know, it was just like right at the height of when like Digital Drug Lord was releasing and like he was putting out his album. He was like on the top of Spotify and it was like a great spot. And it just started to react for whatever reason. I was like, oh, this is this is dope. I guess it's like doing whatever it's doing. And it just started to go from there. 
You know? well, it's, it's so interesting that you said like when he was playing at the parties that didn't necessarily pop off because like that song pops like that song yeah. now it does I feel Slams, like almost because yeah. like it was more known now but like at the time I was like yeah it's not really going off like I don't hmm. know if this is the one you know whatever it's hard to judge yeah, yeah. I remember when it dropped like judge. there was all the Berkeley Facebook groups that were like <laughs> this isn't do re mi like they were like, oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone had mentioned that but like you know that's not do re mi I was like I don't give a shit I don't know. <laughs> There was like all the solfege nerds who like, um, that's, that's awesome though. That, I mean, and that, that record was just like insane. Like I, I, the first song I heard on it was double. It was like right when like my ex found like another guy and I'm like, oh man, this song really, really hits. Dude, he really hit it on the head with that album. It's, yeah, it's just it like going. really good, really inspired good stuff he was, he was doing, you know? So what's your favorite song on the record that you didn't work on? I didn't do. I love Chateau so much. That's it's a fun so one. Good. <laughs> um, I'm off the drum, I'm off the blow, I'm in the <laughs> That thing is sick. That's like, because that's the shit that people would go off for at his house. Like when we have friends over and I was like, oh. Yeah, that one has like a DJ Mustard vibe. It's like, let's yeah, just get down. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's very, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like uh, if I could, I would feel nothing. Like what, yeah, what happens with the sick. sort of format shift that like is kind of periodic. Yeah, almost. like yeah. in and out. Yeah. He has some great ones on that one, but. Did you put out be happy like around this time as well it was a it was a little after that um so i think i had i think i put out be happy in 2017 mm. um in april i believe because i had just put out after dory me i'd put out the first friend i think in october or september me um and that i think digital drug lord came out 420 <laughs> that year um that's i mean that's such a great Wait, was that 2017 that was 2017 sorry so we'd written the song in 2016 mm. At the end of 2016, I guess, and then it came out 2017. So, because that's—I mean—that's such a great song, and it's such—I mean, just the, the line that you that you wrote down for mm. the the wall. Right. So even if it's not with me, I just want you to be happy. Even if it's not with me, I just want you to be happy. Just want you. To so it's kind of like a generic saying, you know, and like it's been said a million times. But it's before. honest. I mean, it's very real. Right. Like, so. It was the fourth song I'd put out for the project, and I and I was really trying to keep each song just personal. And like the first two songs were kind of like I was in a relationship, and then it was over. And then like the third song, I was like had a weird relationship with this girl that had a boyfriend, but then whatever happened. So this song, "Be Happy," I I wrote it just on guitar, and I'm a huge fan of this song by Muse called "Falling Away with You," mm-hmm. and it's if you listen to it, it's very similar to "Be Happy." In the- I was not, I wouldn't say ripping it off, but I was highly inspired about his chordal kind of, he has like this one song, it just sounds like Beatlesy and some of the chord movements interesting. So I was playing this riff and I was like, okay, this is in seven, eight, I guess. And I was like, this is kind of weird. And I was like <laughs> starting to sing the melodies to it. And I was like, all right, I like this. So then I started writing the lyrics and I just, I literally sat down in one night and wrote the entire song on guitar. I'd, I'd broken up with a girl that lived in a different state and she had found someone else pretty quick after that. And then she was like quickly engaged to that person wow. or whatever. And when I wrote it, I had just, I think it's just like the personal meaning I had liked. And I was just like, I had finally gotten to the point where I was like, you know what? There's a lot of like emotions that happen in that time. Like the, you know, the five stages of, of grief, of grief yeah, like so that old thing. And then you're, you're the whole fucking thing, yeah. you know? So... I'd finally gotten to acceptance and like be like, you know what? Good for her. That's actually like, like actually feeling that way, not saying it, but I like, I was like, that's probably for the best, honestly, that she's done that. 
And like, even though it like, there was a lot of hurt that happened to me and of me whining and all that bullshit. But like, you know, when you go through an end of a relationship, certain things mean certain things to people, you know? So I had written that and I knew that was like a quote and I like figured out how to put it at the end of the hook because I felt like it was just like a really good summary of what I wanted to say in the song. It's like, you know, like the beginning of the song telling you that you need me now because in my dreams you're still around. I was like, I still think about you a lot. Hmm. You know, I wish I was still with you, obviously, but that's just not how it is. You were somebody different and I hope you're happy is the idea of the song. So I had done it on guitar. I recorded it and I got to like the second chorus and I was like, I wonder if there's like a drop. <laughs> Fuck it, right? So I did like the, I did the first drop with like this synth and like a vocal choppy thingy, and it's weird because it's in seven, so it's like da 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 da, da and then it goes back. On the grid, I was like, wait, shit, where's it? Like, <laughs> like, that's your modulation. Yeah, like, I was yeah. like, where's it going? So um, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put any grid markers. I'm just going to put it on the beats, and then we'll see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that happened, and then the last drop, I was just like, maybe you know, it comes back around, and then it's something a little weirder with like a little swingy kind of thing in the seven. So I did that. That was like the one where I put it out and like immediately I saw a bigger reaction than I had previously. Like the, on, uh, especially on the YouTube channels, on Suicide Sheep, mm -hmm. on Cloud Kid, and then the pickup on Spotify was bigger. And I was like, oh, this is really cool because I felt a lot of passion making the song and I put a lot of emotion into it. And that is coming across, yeah. which is really good. Um, and I could see that from like what people were commenting about it, even though I try not to look at them, but it's good. Everyone does. <laughs> well, it was what we were saying, like about how like a song does resonate when it comes from that real place. Like I think what's interesting about those the stages of grief, and, and especially when somebody asks, like, "Are you over this person?" <laughs> Such a loaded fucking question. There's so and, many things that it could be. And yeah. if you and if you answer yes, there will always be like seven footnotes. It's like. I am over enough to go out with other people. I'm over enough to not think about it every day. Doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt. Right. Like there, and how like, often is yes, I'm over it mean no, I'm not at all over right. it. Right. You know, like you can tell yourself, you tell yourself. And you can lie to real. yourself so well. Right. Like, you know, and I think that that's, you know, when it comes to like me and, and, and my like exes or whatever, I, I'm over it enough to live a life and not, you know, I'm still writing songs about it. I'm of course, still, yeah. you know, like anxious about certain things and, relationships because of how something went down like you're never entirely over anything until you like wake up one day and you are but mm -hmm. um and that's what i like about that chorus is it's like you know it's almost like the last line in the line that you said is it comes with a preamble it comes with uh, a footnote that says right. it still hurts like here's the stuff and it, t it was really hard to say but like you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I'm glad you could see it in that way. That means a lot. No, so, I mean, yeah. and, I, and I, I think that that's why it, it resonated. Yeah, it's definitely people. one of those songs that, you know, when I, I feel like, I mean, when I heard it for the first time, it's one of those songs you're like, oof. Yeah. But it's like, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling because ultimately the conclusion is positive and accepting. And that's like, I think part of what makes it so good. You wrote Bracelet with Love. Yes. Too. Yeah. Like, so to be completely honest, he pretty much had that song <laughs> almost done. Um, we, I, I, I just helped with like a lot of the production elements and kind of arranging it a little mm -hmm. bit. He kind of had like where the second chorus was, and then after that, it kind of just went into no man's land, sort of Did, like. Was Michael? Michael part of that? Pollock. Yeah. Michael and Lauer and Ari are both so genius. They're both geniuses, and it's like 
it's awesome to have the chance to work with them, especially that song. So he sent me that. He's like, yo, I wanted to see if you could like help me with some of the production shit. And he sent it to me. I was like, I fucking love this. Oh my God. Like <laughs> it's so rare that someone sends me something where I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is dope. I was like, this is like, it sounds like, like this is what I want to write. Right. Like, this mm-hmm. is sick. So I was like, what if we did like these 80s guitars and this thing? I was like, and maybe the bridge he had going to that place. I was like, maybe it goes to the bridge, but then it comes back. And then the chorus comes back with this like big outro part. And I don't know, I was just really thankful for the opportunity to work with him and, and to work on that song and to be a part of a song that like I connected with like immediately. Because mm-hmm. that's, I feel like that's, it's not as common as yeah. you would hope it would to be, you know? Well, I, I think like the fact that you are emotionally driven by the stuff that you work with as opposed to necessarily like, politically or, or whatever is really important. Like I think, and the reason I brought up bracelet in relation to be happy is like after an ex and I broke up, she had given me a bracelet like right. when we first started going Same out. Same like, it's like. Concept. It's just, you know, it's it's that, like, when a line feels like it's written about your life mm-hmm. is when you, like, really, totally. you know. And, and I think the more pop music is that on, like, the the widest scale. Totally. It's the I, bell curve of, like, specific universality. like Definitely. And it's, like, it's interesting because with songwriting, often you have to come from a lot of different places yeah. that you mm-hmm. may have been or may not have been. So I, I just, like, love when an artist can do something that's truthful because it's real. And when something is real, you can't poke holes in it. No matter how shitty the song is, <laughs> if it's a real concept, you can't say that guy's like a poser, it doesn't sound authentic or like whatever Yeah, it is. you can say it could have been executed better, but you can't say that it wasn't it's felt. It's not real. Like they gave real. it, they right. gave this they part of them. Like, At least it has an entity that's real or truthful in some way, which, you know, I feel like makes a big difference in artists. Like, obviously you have to embellish certain things and, and bend truths and and step in the shoes of different types of people that have experienced different things. But like, I think part of the reason Lauv works, part of the reason Black Bear works, part of the reason some of these artists work is it's, it is real. It's not some bullshit. It's not wondering what that emotion's like Mm -hmm. and writing a story about it. It's like, I went through this thing and this is what the fucking thing is. So there's nothing to hide behind. There's no wondering. It's like every, like that's what I liked personally when I wrote Be Happy, like every lyric, it might not be like each lyric is perfectly crafted in songwriter, but I was like, first, this is how I felt. Then this is how I felt. And then this is how I felt. And that's the song. <laughs> so there's no wondering, like, could the second verse be like more specific it's lyric? It's just of... like, that's what happened. So I'm just going to write that down. That's fine. Yeah. And obviously there's editing and stuff, but like, that's why I also like having an artist project. Cause it's like, so what if the second verse rhythm of the melody doesn't match the first verse? Like, if I like it, I, I don't like really it. give a yeah. shit. Like if it's for someone else on a greater scale, yes. Like, and we want to change it so it's lining up. But at the same time, it also opened my eyes to like, what is the concept? What yeah. is the lyric? Which are like, I in my studio, I have a, a little dry erase board. And the first thing on the list is concept. What is the concept? <laughs> so can you tell what the concept is? Then it's like shocking. And it's like, is this shocking? Is huh. it like good? Is it, is like, it fresh? And yeah, original? like eye catching or yeah. ear catching. I mean. Then I have, is this great? And it's like, if it's good, it's not great, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I have, is this repetitive enough or too repetitive, you know? Like, yeah. so I was like, is there a repetition in it? Because especially in pop music, like less is more. I'm like yeah. a huge fan of Rick Rubin also, who is like the minimalist pop producer. So it's like his whole thing is like, what can you take out? Yeah. What, what absolutely needs to be there and what doesn't? So, um, and then I have like, is it simple enough? Can anyone fucking understand this? If you played the song for your mom, would she understand what's going on? If you played this for a really cool tastemaker guy, would they understand? And this is not 
these are just my guidelines for pop. I stuff mean, this and, is I mean, this is awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think for us, we've always been like trying to just eliminate the asterisks next right. to like this is good or great or whatever. Right. Like, it was good for the time we had. This was good for the resources right. we had. This was good for the fact that we we're juggling seven other you know artists right. that, or whatever. Like, I think that trying to find like the thing that that we resonate the most with has mm-hmm. been a very new journey for us and even what you were saying about like the embellishments being for the sake of the honesty we were talking Mm. about uh, a couple of nights ago about um about myths and about how the myths that we tell the the whole purpose of a myth is stripping away enough details and any editing is a kind of lie but like stripping away enough details so that the truth is highlighted Mm. the best way Mm. how many lies can i tell to make the truth stand (laughs) up you know and that's the thing you know when you talk about fiction like why we connect with fiction is that it is a truth that Mm. is told through an extended lie right and so if we talk about the myth like how we started the project the moment i I leave out that i I went to the bathroom for a second the moment i leave out that i was in traffic for two hours unless that's part of the story we are lying about the order of events but the truth is the conclusions that we come to, how it changes our lives. And those lies that we tell ourselves is like the core of who we are. So I think dealing with the molecular truth and honesty in relation to how we tell stories right. has been like the thread I've been pulling out, that we've been pulling out. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. But yeah, yeah I think I think you're, you're on it. And, and again, like there is this honesty that does resonate. I, I love, I mean, I, I was in Boston when uh, when Anxiety came out. Oh, nice. I was, I was saying when you, when you walk in, like that song, it's one, it's all, like from a production standpoint and writing standpoint, it's awesome. Thanks, like yeah. lyrically, what I love about it is that it touches on this really, I mean, I get so anxious in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, especially at the start because when they're there, everything's fine. You know, this person mm-hmm. when, when they're gone, like an anxious mind will make the worst of somebody. Oh, of course. Like the, yeah. the like darkest They left version. here and like went to some guy's house yeah. and then they went to some other guy's <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah. Like, the worst like, version of this. And they're like falling in love with like this other dude that's like way sicker looking than me and like. And just like okay, have, have lost forever. interest. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one example. Or like they they lost interest or they don't yeah. think I'm cool or I've, I was just I something wrong. wrong. Yeah. Or they have a double life. They're secretly a spy. Usually it's a lot less complicated. I won't say that all the time. Yeah. Sometimes there's crazy shit that happens, but... You never know you're dating a spy until you're dating a spy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that, that's what I really like about about that song is that it, it touches on anxiety obviously is as it's such a, a intense concept and, and place and shocking mm-hmm. and and fresh in that sense but it's also something that anybody can relate to because until something's good it's not you know like <laughs> like i think anybody who's gone through a bad relationship is so ready for it all to all go to shit oh, and anybody yeah. who's been through this industry is you're so ready like, for everything to go to you're shit you're looking like, for it yeah. you know and it's it's hard to break out of that yeah with that song it was it was interesting cuz um originally i think we were going to pitch it like we were just like a song for pitch and I went over to Black Bear studio and he was like, what are the chords to closer uh, chain smokers? I was like, it's like F G a minor. He's like, put those in. I was like, all right. He's like, all right, let's make a song like that. And then he started singing. Like he, he came up with most of the, the top line, you know, and he's like, started singing it. We left the second verse empty and then we had this one drop and it was okay. And then when he sang it, he went to go have a cig, and I was like, oh, maybe I can like take his vocal and do a, a thing with it. Yeah. yeah, and so I melodied that thing in there. <laughs> and um, we're like, all right, this is dope. He's like, let's leave the second verse open and pitch it. So we sent it around. We sent it to Chainsmokers. We sent it everywhere, and everyone's like, oh, this is cool. And then it came down for his next album, uh, 
he calls, I mean, in some way he calls me up. He's like, yo, I want to put this on the album. I was like, cool, man. I was like, who do you want to get on the feature? He's like, do you just want to do it? I was like, (laughs) yeah. So I went to my studio and I recorded, I like wrote. Did you write? I I wrote the second verse and then I just recorded it, and then I sent it back, and I was like, "Yo, what do you think of this?" He's like, "Cool, it sounds dope." And I was like, "All right." And then that was that. And that was it. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then we like shot a music video at his house, <laughs> and uh, he was like, "Yo, we're doing a video that's just like a vertical video for Spotify." This is when they first started doing the vertical videos, I guess, like when you yeah. play the song. We're gonna do that, and it was like kind of just like he had his friend come over and like cut out the anxiety sign and like do all this other stuff and he's had these two people filming and uh, then it turned into the music video. That's, That's awesome. Cool. But that was like a big opportunity for my project too because I didn't like, I liked it because it didn't force anything. I was just like, let's make a You didn't ask, you didn't like, it was just like, let's just make a dope yeah. song and if he wants me on it, great. Then it's then we can both have it. You know, we can both reap the benefits of it. So. Well, and what's interesting is that like, like it took what you were doing in the in the background, like behind the scenes and put it to the forefront. Like there are so many collaborators who collaborate for years Unless you're looking at the liner notes, you don't necessarily know that. Yeah. I mean, right. This was a way of putting that collaboration you had with him into the public. For space. sure. Um, did you start getting the Black Bear fans? I did. Uh, that the... was like a big jump in my small but very uh, passionate fandom uh, <laughs> of the of the project. But uh, it was cool to see it, just to have the just to see how passionate his fans were. Mm-hmm. You know, because like people like hearing some song, being like, "Who's this guy?" and then checking me out, I was like, "Oh shit." This is cool. Yeah, so that was that, that gave me a great opportunity to get some like fresh eyes on on my project as well. That's awesome. And it was a, it was a kind of like a big uh, turning point in me, like just like spending some more time on it. I was like, oh, this is like a this is where it could go. Yeah, you know, this is like where you can gain fans and gain listeners. Yeah. You know? Well, and what's so so interesting is that like, and we were talking about about this too, where it's like. For some, that that could have been out of left field. It's like, who's this guy? But for for you, it's like, you know, that was like a very natural, right. organic progression and right. whatnot. It's a it's a great song. Oh, I mean, the stuff that you you worked on again resonates with us. So it's really cool oh, thanks, hearing man. these the stories behind behind all of them. Are you ready for a rapid fire MySpace inspired questions? <laughs> this is the best part. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Number one. What's your phone background? Uh, it's Malibu, where I was at one time. I just took a picture of the ocean. It was really calming. That's lovely. That's yeah. like relaxing. Yeah. Um, simple, I guess. What's your uh, non, like, do you have a non-musical hobby? Yes. I actually really have, I just started learning sign language. Wow. Um, just like a couple weeks ago. So I'm still a very a beginner, but I know the alphabet and some basic stuff right now. But that, and I also like building robots. So That's awesome. Usually from kits, um, but uh, not like, you know, programming the whole thing. But I just like the operation of building the robot and seeing it like, you yeah. can walk around and stuff. Most of them are pretty simple, you know, battery powered kind of two, three maneuver kind of thing. It's not very advanced. What's your favorite um, sign so far? Oh, <laughs> I like, um, I don't know, J is kind of funny because it's I, but it's the swoop. And then there's Z. What, what inspired you to getting into this? Like, did you have um, a deaf friend or was just No, I just wanted to learn it. I was just thinking of learning something that would come in handy at one point, just at a beginner level, maybe. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's my latest hobby. So I'm going to get a little better and then I'm going to move on to a different language. So I want to like just kind of language acquire at a basic <laughs> level. I, I wouldn't normally interject my, my own answer, but I just got into pickling. Wait, pickling? pickling. Oh, yeah. nice. So, yeah, what have you, you pickled a, so far? Um, apples. <laughs> And uh, cucumbers and Brussels sprouts. Nice. Yeah, I'll give you some. I'll give you. Yes. You can try some after. Yes. Um, do you have a weird random skill? So this wrist, there's something with the ligaments where I can crack it 
every time as many times as I want. Well, can you do it? Oh, oh, oh that's and I can awesome. do it again. Wow. But it's it's not um because I also go to the chiropractor and it's yeah. not like when you get like when the chiropractor cracks you, it's like the glucosamine bubbles between your joints popping. Mm-hmm. It's not like your actual bones. This feels like they're, I mean, it's, it's always been like this. Have you gotten it like checked out or? No, it's, it's like kind of been that way my whole life. And it doesn't feel like that. It fe- I feel like the thing's moving around, like the ligaments moving That's around. That's so interesting. That's, yeah. It's really weird. I, I, was, gonna, <laughs> I was just like shake that one off. Yeah, no, that was great. That's, yeah, that's, that's, great. Like, that's exactly what I was hoping for. That's the perfect but answer But it's also like, wow, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> Um, what <laughs> skill would you like to have? In all honesty, I would like to, like what I'm starting to do, I'd really like to know like four or five languages, at least at uh-huh. a beginner level to communicate with people, basically. Do you know any so far other than... I like, I, f- I forgot most of the Spanish I learned in high school and I like n- knew Hebrew a little bit, but then I like forgot most we of the We all know Hebrew a little yeah. bit. That's, yeah. But I, I realized I was just like, like last year and the year before I'd, I'd been to Europe and I was like, damn, I wish I like just knew a little bit more of like French, of German, of Spanish, of just like some other languages, some Asian languages too, like just to have a basic understanding because it'd be cool to at least yeah. like know how to communicate with people a little bit more. He, uh, he speaks fluent he speak Italian. Pretty, pretty fluent Italian. I've lived in oh. Italy, Italy from like all of high school and middle oh, school. Oh, crazy. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I can attest that like having another language in your brain is like definitely interesting and cool. Yeah. And worth pursuing. A hundred percent. I, I want to just like, like to an Ant-Man microscopic degree, like figure out the English language, like <laughs> how syllables and syntax right. and everything. Like, um, I just don't have- I mean, don't to... put all your eggs in one basket, man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but, like, let's see. Do you have a personal life hack? It actually has to do with songwriting. And I like, I started kind of implementing it a couple months ago. When you tie, it's a little more advanced than just like a simple life. No, it's all, yeah. I started to look at what I wrote as just like, these are just words on my phone or on the page. This is just music that I pressed the buttons or played the notes for. Rather than like, this is my heart and soul. I Mm. spent 13 hours working on this track and tuning this vocal and doing this. And it's like, it's something you made. And that's that. And then you can look at it and be like, that sucks. Yeah. Or like, that's pretty dope. Or like, that's okay, but I think maybe it could be better. Rather than like, no, since I worked really hard on this, it has to be good. It means something to me. That means it's good. The cost fallacy of... Yeah, like uh, you lose your objectivity. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I don't know what the hack is called. Maybe just like a a more objective... (laughs) Or just like objectivity to your own work. Is it good? Just because you feel something about it, does that make it good? Mm. And it doesn't, unfortunately. But like when you do that, it creates a chance to be objective. Yeah. I think that's so hard for, for, I I think it's something that we've been learning having been writing just so, so, so much. But it's like being able to detach yourself from even the outcome of a song or like whatever, just like realizing like this has to be what it is and and then being able to to walk Mm -hmm. away from it. That's... I don't know. I, th- I think hearing that like out loud like really resonates, but also it is such a hard thing to like. It's a practice. Yeah, oh, I feel I feel like I've had to like. People are always like trust your instincts, and there's a truth to that. But I feel like I'm I've I've been trying to like approach things like just because this is the first thing my brain came up with does not mean it's the right thing for right. whatever this is. Like, or like maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it is like weird in that zone. But I don't know. I just feel like so many people like because I spent all my money doing this, because mm-hmm. I put in the, every hour of every day of the last month doing this, of um, this is my life's work. So fucking what? Like, you know, <laughs> tough shit. It's like 
sorry to say that, but like, no, I mean, it's honest. Like, I mean, it's okay. If it's dope, that's great. If this guy fucking shit out a song in five minutes and it's better than yours, good for that guy. It, it literally doesn't matter how you made your song yeah. or how you made your medium, like whatever. I just feel like people get really attached to their journey mm-hmm. with, a, with creation. Mm-hmm. Like I did this and then I did this and I struggled. It's like, if they're if you're an athlete and you train every fucking day of every hour and some dude beat you that's just better than you, that's what happened. It doesn't disprove that you worked hard, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't mean that like you can't make that add value. I, I think my you have fears- to have like the intrinsic value. Like, is this good? Do I like it? Cool. Yeah. How it does, you know. But by the same degree, also how it does doesn't determine the value. Always, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe financially or maybe like in the scope of how people view it. But like songs pick up years later, accidentally. Yeah. yeah. Or like if you love it, and it flops. So fucking what? But like, I don't know. I just think there's a way to be objective about things, and I understand being connected because I'm very connected to a lot of stuff. And that was like I started taking up that. Life hack, as you would say, when I would get so connected to something and I would be so let down if it didn't do well. I'd be like, I don't get it. Like this yeah. song, the lyrics are so good. They mean so much to me. It's like, fuck, dude, it doesn't always matter. It doesn't always matter how good you think it is. Yeah. Well, what, what I like about um, specifically what you said, like it's just words. Like I think uh, my my fear was always like I wrote the best like thing I'm ever going to write. And I think that when... A lot of... That's everyone's fear. I think <laughs> when, once I... I just started like really saying to myself, like, I have not written my best song yet. I, 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 I don't know when mm-hmm. it'll happen, but you know, it, it, it's not today. You know, I'm going to write the best thing I can today. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to, it's not my best song. Cause right. my best song is going to be the day after I die. You know, it's like, right. like you, just, you know, uh, he, uh, there's a quote, what was it from infinite Jest? He died with his potential intact. Yeah. I forget where that's You know, from, that's right. like, that's the whole idea is like he died with his potential intact. You know, it's like, right. I'd rather think, like that, you know, and so uh, that it'll just happen tomorrow. Um, and so, so I don't get scared anymore if it's like, okay, this song isn't working or mm. these words aren't working or, or anything. I, I appreciate that. What's the most useless fact you know? Oh my God, I know so fucking many. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the one that comes up the most is like um, what deja vu could be. Mm. And like, you know, there's like interpretive things of like, <laughs> oh, it's like a dream you've had, you've been there before in a past reality, life, yeah. uh, you're in another universe. And then like the scientific one that they came up with that's still unproven is a misfiring of your long-term memory. Huh. So you're yeah. in a short-term event, but it feels like a long-term event. So it pulls from your long-term memory, but there's nothing there. I buy that. 100%. So it's like, you're like, wait, I feel like I've been here before. Or maybe it's your brain just being like, oops. Yeah, like that makes the most sense to me that it's just like your brain being like, boop. And you're like, it feels a certain way because yeah, you're like, wait, I've been here. Like, well, you it's like, there, you I was, there, I was like, like, it was like a loop where it's like you processed it like five seconds earlier yeah. than when you actually like realized you processed it. So, so you're just yeah. getting that double feedback. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think maybe yeah. something in there. God, I wish I thought of something stupid. I'm no, always saying stupid shit to people, but I don't know. Noah recently told me that uh, Buffalo, 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 Buffalo is. Uh, I think that was too many buffaloes. But... Oh, shit. I always mess it up. But it's that, that's a grammatically correct sentence. Really? Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. Yeah. That's a grammatically coherent sentence. Yeah. In English. It's Buffalo from Buffalo, and then Buffalo, the verb, means like to bully. So it's like wow. Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. Who in turn, Buffalo, Buffalo. You know, right, like right. There's a lot of implied. <laughs> that's amazing. Implied language <laughs> I love that. that. I have a follow-up question to, to the next one, but which fictional universe would you want to live in? Let's see. I mean, I guess I'll, I guess I'll say Marvel. 
I guess. That that's mine. Marvel. I like the Spider Man comics, and I like the the movies are good. The I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy shit's so sick. And what about you guys? Maybe the Kingdom Hearts universe. Some people really like that place. I really like that that whole. Yeah, I would fight with a Keyblade. Yeah. Are, do you, so my follow up question is: Do you play video games? I do. I don't play Kingdom Hearts. I do know people that play it. My main game that I got so stupidly obsessed with was Fallout Four. Wow, Ooh, that's yeah, a good one. I'll do it. Unfortunately, Fallout 76 was the biggest travesty to ever happen to humanity. I would agree yeah. with you, yes. I guess it's like music, though, dude. That's why I always think it's mm-hmm. like, yo, this is the next hot shit that comes out. Everyone's like, nah, no. dude, this sucks. And then you're like, fuck, we thought that might have been good. They're like, well, <laughs> you know. Then like someone's like, this is a new thing. They're like, holy fuck, this is so good. You know, yeah. you never know. Uh, what superpower would you want? I mean, it's going to be pretty simple. I think flight. Because the dumb shit you could do. Yeah. I, I always have this question mm-hmm. with people. I was like, all right, you can have the power of flight. But you can only go like five miles per hour and fly only like 10 feet high. It would be so fucking funny. You'd be like, <laughs> that'd be great though. Could you imagine if you need to be like in a sitting position? Yeah, too? like you have to be look? standing. Yeah. Just like, going to the grocery store five miles an hour, 10 feet <laughs> off the ground. Like that, I would, I would do that every day. Like it'd really? Be like, it'd be like a segue without the segue. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Given that there are no paradoxes and including your own life, where, in the, where and when in the past would you time travel to? Dude, this is so crazy, and I know there's so many, so many, so many other better answers. <laughs> there's so many other be- better answers, but it's I've always wondered this since it happened. When Jerry Finn, the producer, was recording Enema of the State for Blink-182, because he passed away. Yeah. How <laughs> the fuck did he do that? How the fuck did he do that? It sounds just want to so, be a fly on the wall, and that's like that's, I yeah, just wish yeah. I could, or even just when he was alive, just to maybe ask him for thirty minutes just about <laughs> some of the stuff. Like I know it's so minute and like maybe dumb. But no, like, it's a, I mean that's, yeah, like, that's, that's but like weird. he's he's not around. Like I don't. I've met Mark Hoppus before. I've met Travis. I've like briefly, but like I don't get it. I don't get it with the technology in nineteen ninety nine. How I understand they use the auto tune hardware unit. I understand they had Pro Tools. But Pro Tools didn't really have plugins yet, like at that point. I understand there was editing. I don't get it. I just, I listen and I listen and I listen and I listen. And I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> are the guitars so lined up? How do the vocals sound so good? How many hours did this fucking take? There's no auto-tune glitches. There's nothing. I just don't know. It's an insane record. I, mean, yeah. I don't, at that, that time, dude, no one, no band sound, like no pop punk band had ever sounded close to that good. I was like, these guys are the best singers I ever fucking heard. Every note's mm-hmm. perfectly in pitch. <laughs> like they must've gotten really good since Dude Ranch, like whatever. It's like, I just, and, and the same thing with Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, the one after that. Oh yeah. Like I've heard and read some of the methods they did. I just wish I could have talked to Jerry Finn. Just or just, for, yeah, just seen it. Just for 20 or 30 minutes, <laughs> just to ask him like a couple questions about how he did it. Cause you know, most of the times when you ask people about that, the chances are, yeah, they did it this way and it was, you know, whatever, it just happened. They just recorded it. They, they, he just had some sort of talent that I don't know what it is. He just knew how to make that sound in that way that influenced all those fucking people mm-hmm. and myself. Like, I don't understand. I still, I don't know if it's just like a mental block I have because I was like 13 learning on guitar. How are the guitars still lined up? How many fucking stacks are lined up so clean? How are the vocals sounding so good? How in 1999? 20 years ago. I th- I, listen, I yeah. think that that's a, a perfectly fine. Sorry, yeah. that no, I think that's a perfectly fine answer. I mean, like, and I, I never necessarily pulled at this thread, but like, other than like the 20s, if I could be a fly on a wall, I would love to have been in the cabin in Wisconsin when Justin Vernon recorded the first Bunny Bear record. 
Interesting. Like forever, forever ago. Because all he had was the eight track pots and pans and his Mm -hmm. guitar. Like, you know. That record sounds so crazy. That record sounds so crazy good. But even just like writing it and like just seeing Mm -hmm. this, just like a guy alone in a cabin making a record. Like that's, that's cool. so yeah you know and the myth of that thing is just so like he he went into that cabin with mono and an ex girlfriend just mm. dumped and the band broke up and he went and he had mono and he went to this cabin for like a couple months and he comes out Bonnie Bear like what that must look like like I'd like to think Stanley Kubrick was there and Kanye was there and they're all just like, <laughs> it, was like, like it, was it was like in a studio they had it was like they had like notes and like it was, it was like a label meeting would you be a pirate yeah. Yeah, that's the right dive answer. That is sick. <laughs> but see, at least he knows that he would without, die of scurvy. Without the, without the bad, like the really bad stuff. I think there's like a just piracy. I wouldn't want to pillage these. Yeah, it's called just like being a sailor. That's these just like you. That's like you want to be a boat captain, but you don't want to be a pirate. I want to sword fight. Their asses off trying to make money for their family on the shore on the fucking harbor, and you go in there and fucking steal their shit. Come on. Dude. I would want to like challenge the 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 pillagers. I would be like the the pirate. So you other I would be a. I would be not a pirate. That's an officer of the law. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an anti-hero because I'm outside the law. You know, like you the law the can't pirates. contain me. Yeah, you the law the is corrupt. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The law, yeah. the law is in it with the pirates, and I'm fighting the law and it's the pirates. A conspiracy. <laughs> we disagree heavily on this question, and our guests have been split down the middle on yeah. who would or would not be a pirate. What's your first, what was your first tattoo? I don't have, dude. This isn't a real tattoo. Really? Yeah. This is the koala thing. I gave Did you the tattoos. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. awesome. So for my, I'm in the way I look at Judaism. I don't have any tattoos. So to out of the, the yeah, name of the respect for the body. So I have this one on my neck that I wear for my project. I started doing it because I did it for a show one time. I had the t- I had the temporary tattoos made to put in my web store, huh. and I put it on my neck before the show, and I was like, I kind of took someone took a picture. I was like, I kind of like that. So I wanted to have an experience where any person who listens to the music could get the exact same thing and put it on for fun for as much as they want for whenever. <laughs> so I put them all in the Webster, the exact same one. So now I just put it on my neck That's every cool. time and it's kind of like just the symbol. And I'm, I'm going to start like, I, sometimes I'll put it on different sides of my neck to fuck with people and see <laughs> if they notice. No one has noticed yet. Um, but but um, yeah. And I said maybe if I get a number one with one of these songs, I'll get it for real maybe. Mm. But as of right now, I don't feel the need to have any permanent tattoos. And I think it's also like a... It's interesting because I, I kind of view it as a accessory, a fashion accessory in a way. Because, you know, just have someone to put on makeup or like put something have... on or glitter or whatever. It's just like you can put that. You can put it on your arms. You can put it on, I put it on my neck. But I know my parents are very pro not to, for me to have tattoos. Mm-hmm. And they've helped me a lot in my life. And I think just maybe out of like a sign of respect, I'm going to refrain from that. Given it wouldn't kill you, what animal would you have as a pet? Ooh, I mean, I think I would have to have a koala because of my projects, <laughs> oh, the course. koala. But honestly, there's this other animal called a shoebill stork that I'm so fucking obsessed with. <laughs> they're so weird looking. There's like a couple thousand left in the world. And they're from like uh, like the African swamps, but they have them at zoos. And there's one at the San Diego Zoo I've been meaning to go see. It's <laughs> bill looks like a, a wooden shoe. That's why it's called a shoebill okay. stork. It looks like a dinosaur or something. It's so fucking weird. And its reactions are so fucking funny. And they're like three and a half, four feet tall. Nice. They're the slowest bird. They can barely, f- they fly a little bit, but not much. It, look them up later. I'm possessed by them. <laughs> They're so fucking funny. That's like awesome. the way they look and stuff. It's just so weird. Anonymous side project called Shoe Bill. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. What's um, next? So now we have the, the, the favorites, and this is more lightning round. So favorite color to wear. 
to wear. I like blue and I like white a lot and um, sometimes gray. Favorite season? Season. I like East Coast fall. I'm very much East Coast fall. Here, I like... I mean, it's the same. (laughs) That's a hard question to ask. What's that? I assume people have seen snow before. Uh, Favorite holiday? Either Hanukkah or July 4th. I love July 4th. Because, like, fucking you just barbecue a shitload. Like, it's... The only day it's okay to eat like six hot dogs yeah. and like no one will say shit. Like I always go to New York because my friend has like a, a house you pile on the roof, like right on the Hudson River, Sick. so you can see all of the fireworks. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. Oh yeah. Favorite meal? Well, I diet pretty pretty intensely now with like the no sugar and no mm. carbs and no the keto and the whole whatever. Ideally, I think it might just be like straight up spaghetti and meatballs or a meatball sub. Mm. Because a meatball sub, it's like, what the fuck are they thinking? A sub? There's meat. Like meatballs, (laughs) which aren't like even pure meat. It has breading in it. Yeah. Tomato sauce and cheese? What? Are we talking like a New York meatball sub though? Yeah, like like a proper deli meatball sub. Are they out of their fucking mind? (laughs) You're trying to kill someone. <laughs> it's like not even food. It's just like shit, but it's like the it's best so thing. Good. It's yeah, so good. Somewhere in, somewhere yeah, somewhere in there, I think, is like a vibe. Favorite place to be? I honestly think in the studio. That's great. Yeah. It's also my least favorite place yeah. <laughs> some days, but there's something about... I, you gotta love something to hate something, right? Yeah, yeah, like mainly alone, I think. Like if I'm in there working on something, it's just you, you versus yourself in there, you know, which I kind of like. Favorite sound? I mean, I guess I like the ocean a lot, like mm-hmm. the sound of the ocean. I also like white noise, like the sound of like my fan blowing at mm-hmm. night with nothing else. The whoosh, just like comforting. And maybe like a G chord on like a really well-tuned acoustic guitar. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. I like the sounds of orchestras uh, tuning. Oh, oh that's oh, a yeah, sound. Yeah. I love that sound. It's just that. Yeah. And the, like, the hustle and bustle. Of- <laughs> the hype. Quick favorite movie, book, TV show. Favorite movie, Back to the Future Part 1. Nice. Favorite book, I mean, I guess The Alchemist. Favorite TV show? Mm-hmm. Oof, man. I haven't thought about this. After Lost was my favorite TV show <laughs> until so the good. last episode. <laughs> yeah. Which then yeah, yeah. became my least favorite TV show. The Constant is my favorite episode of Lost, though. Really? You remember yeah, when he d- Desmond jumps around? Yeah. Yeah. I lost faith in humanity after that. Uh, <laughs> I think The Office. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I came in second in the office trivia challenge once at a bar. Wow. So, what did you win chili? Uh, no, I won like uh, a certificate of like a fake Dunder Mifflin stock, like stockholder certificate. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, that's probably my favorite show as far as like what's like brought me the most joy, I say, from watching a show, I would say. Um, what's the best Halloween costume you've ever done? Ooh, I got a couple good ones, man. And not to, not to toot my own no, heart, yeah. but I've gone right away. Um, okay. Well, for starters, I did, uh, like four, five years ago, I was a dad taking his two kids trick or treating in which I constructed (laughs) like a backpack that had these poles. And then I got like balloons and put like, (laughs) so it looked like two kids wearing ghost outfits. And I was like the dad walking with the two kids. Then last, or I guess two years ago, uh, or no, three years ago, I was a dad with two twin babies so I would like dress whatever the theme of the thing was. And then I had like two little babies in a baby Bjorn, like a twin oh baby Bjorn. So one of them, I was a goth dad with goth kids. And then the other one, it was like a Kill Bill theme. So like they were, I was like in a suit and they were in like the little Kill Bill outfits. And then last year, I guess, I guess it was two years ago, I was a two headed person. So 
I had, I got like a styrofoam head and paper mache it and had my friend paint a picture, like my face on it, kind of like from the office where Michael Scott is the two-headed person. <laughs> and I mounted it to my body so it looked like there was two of, two of my heads. That was good. <laughs> and then this past year, I was Elliot in E.T. from E.T. except I was E.T. and Elliot was on the bike behind me. <laughs> so it was like one of those like person-in-person costumes. So I had like a basket with handlebars. <laughs> I'll have to show you guys. It's so yeah, that's, that's amazing. It. I think the best we've ever done was uh, was Miguel and Tulio from El Dorado. Oh, that's amazing. We just put on the colored shirts, yeah. and I, I put on a vest and, and had a beard at the time. Right. Oh, oh, and also this past year, I had a really good one. I was at your childhood TV playing the movie Hocus Pocus. What? So I put an iPad inside a cardboard box and had Hocus Pocus playing. <laughs> That's amazing. With sound. Okay. okay. That, that, listen. Wow. We got more than we bargained for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. All right, best date you've ever been on? Best date? Yeah. Whew, that's a tough one. Oh, one time I went to uh, go see Matilda the musical. Oh, nice. That was pretty cool. I was like, oh, it's a musical. It's Matilda. And I went, I was like, damn, this is fucking amazing. Music's pretty good in it. Yeah. yeah when I grow great. up, it's a yeah. song. Tim yeah. mentioned did the music. Tim What's mentioned that? it to me, oh, Yeah, that's awesome. An Australian I didn't comedian. know that. Yeah. Uh, can you whistle? I cannot whistle. Can you snap? I can snap. What's one thing you look forward to as a kid that turned out to be not so great as an adult? The responsibility of like doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm. Um, it's freeing, but it's also a little scary because you're wondering if like, am I spending the right amount of time on things? Am I like, like it's a lot more it's like a lot stress. more stressful well, than it's, you it's think it's things be. like pile up like dishes and laundry. Right. Like you have to do things incrementally for it to not like... Mm-hmm. Um, what's something you did that you'll never do again? Probably maintain either friendships or relationships with people that are like uh, just manipulative people. Hmm. Once you see it, you can spot it from a mile away. But once before you see what it is, you have no idea what's going on until you deal with it. So like, you catch the scent and then you're like, you, you know, catch the scent, you're like, holy shit, this like you can point it from any direction. You can mm-hmm. see what's a manipulation. And it's like these certain people, they just exist. That it's just like people with sociopathic tendencies that they cause more stress in your life than they do joy. Hmm. And after meeting some people like that, I would say that's something I will not do again. You got too many friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Three thoughts at this very moment. Three thoughts. It's a nice day outside because I'm looking outside. It's very warm. This fruit was good. You guys did a great job providing it. Thanks. It's very fresh. And I like that. Is that a Martin? Yeah. I like that guitar. <laughs> I can see like the electronics inside from over here. It's interesting. Advice to your teenage self. Don't be a little fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Stop being, stop with the fucking egotistical bullshit. Stop with the insecure bullshit. Have a little confidence in yourself and you don't have to fucking show people. Just be a fucking, just be a regular person and it'll work out how it's supposed to work out. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little I, harsh. But. It might be. It might be the same answer to the next question. But would, what advice would you give to new artists and um, I would say the most important thing is persistence and to not get bogged down by failure, but rather see failure as a step in your process. You're aspiring. I mean, there's this book I read, "Ego Is the Enemy," that talks about this a little bit. But you're aspiring. You're succeeding, or you're failing. So you're doing one of those things, and because you're failing doesn't mean that you failed. It's just a part of the process. No matter how successful you are, you will fail. And then you have to aspire to something else again. So you have to persistently go and not get bogged down and see a failure as a, see it as a learning experience, but not see it as the end or a roadblock. It's like a speed bump, you know? Mm -hmm. So persisting and not giving up 
are the most important things. And, you know, if your persistence isn't working, try changing your method, but you have to keep persisting because it's simply a matter of time before people turn for an answer and you're the person standing there. That's, that's I, my advice. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. The, during the, the harder days in, in Boston, um, I would try to contextualize like the hardest, like the lowest points, mm-hmm. like in the, in the form of an interview. Like, like if, if, you know, if, um, I was broke and not making rent, you know, I'd be like, Oh, well, thank you, Jimmy, for asking that. Uh, uh, that was, uh, that, that month I almost got evicted, but, uh, the next week I, uh, wrote the hit that, you know, got oh us God, to I Los Angeles, that. you know, I just contextualize that like life kind of moves on and moves in, in, in ways that it does. That's so, so crazy. Yeah. And then, yeah, last question. If you had to write a review of your life, up until this point in one or two sentences what would the review be he liked making music and he did a lot of he was interested in a lot of stupid shit that no (laughs) one found amusing except him but he did it because it was he liked it and he was funny i guess (laughs) i don't know i just i don't know how to say that it's just like i'm just so interested in stupid shit that means nothing and maybe it's because like it takes the pressure off making music and being professional all the time or like trying to focus all your energy. I just like dumb, trivial, funny things, like stupid facts about something when something really dumb and funny happens and no one thinks it's funny except for me. So like a a perfect instance of this, this is my last story of the day. No, you're good. My my friend had a fish fry. So he has like 15, 20 people over for this fish fry and he's like an amazing chef, you know, and he's like barbecuing and he's like doing the shit. And so he has fish fry. And I go, you understand today that you have to stop like have everyone quiet down and say, looks like we got bigger fish to fry. And he's like, I guess. I was like, how fucking funny would that be? And he's like, I don't know. So he does it in a way that's like kind of a question. He's like, excuse me, everyone. Everyone's like, yeah. He's like, it looks like we have bigger fish to fry. (laughs) Silence. I'm laughing my ass off. It was so fucking funny. No one thought it was funny. Arguably no. funnier because no one thought it was funny. I though. know, exactly. No one even, everyone was like, what? I was like, this is amazing. We are at a fish fry and someone just said we have bigger fish to fry. Come on. <laughs> like shit like that. I like doing stuff like that, man. But, but I, I, I like the, I mean, I like that you do the robotic stuff. Like, listen, I can talk, I can, listen, I can talk to you for an hour about pickling. Like, you're in this. Like, this is, you know. I'm in, baby. Yeah, I got you, All dude. Right. Yeah. All right, so that was, those are the questions. You, you nailed it. Um, more or less, wrapping up, you, you put out, before you, I, I didn't exist. Yes. Great song, great record. Thanks. Man. What what was the process of making that record like? Um, the process was, I had the songs done for a little bit, but I was, like, going through the end of a relationship with that one. So it starts off, like, happier and then it gets a little darker at the end because it's like we broke up in the middle of the EP. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just kind of made I made most of that in my bedroom. I have a little bedroom set up, mm-hmm. like not at my studio, and um, recorded and mixed it there. Yeah, I think I just started like incorporating more of like the animated stuff as well as like a live action thing, which I hadn't done before. Huh. Just me in it. But yeah, that was kind of an emotional journey because it started off happy, and then I was like, I want to write sad songs right now because <laughs> I'm not feeling too well. So. Um, it was a good arc. Where, where did uh, before like the song before you I didn't exist like sort of line up in that? Um, it was like the third song I did. So it was like right on the right on the brink. It was right mm-hmm. near the end, and that was uh, it's interesting because that song is kind of talks about like codependency mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like wow, I don't even know what I did before I met you. It's like 
that is good and also not good because hmm. it's like you want to like be your own person still and like that's where i felt like the relationship started to go bad it was like a little too obsessive with each other which well, is like you want to be obsessed with someone but you don't want to be codependent and it was kind of right on the line. line it's like the thesius ship of the thing it's like you know somebody can have such a profound impact on your life and like change your life so much that like the eye that now exists Mm-hmm. Like it's different. It's different, you know. It's, a it's like eye. I, I don't know. I definitely felt that song, you know. And awesome. I, I just love how it starts too. Just like oh, with the, the robot, voice, the speak and the spell. Apple talk thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. When we first met at the granny party, you were telling me about um, the the new project that you're yeah. that you're working on. So the next material I'm going to release, I'm going to do four three song EPs that will be like a full length. Each EP is paired with a comic strip. So the comic strip is the adventures of me and the koala in this uh, in this other world. And each song lyrically goes along with the comic. So as I release each song, there'll be some comic strip, there'll be an animated video that goes with each EP. And then at the end, with once all 12 songs are out, there'll be a full length comic book. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so what I'm trying to do a little differently that other artists have done with the comics, is like, oh, this is a comic book, but this is really lining up to lyrically what's going on. There's a storyline I've written for what happens. And each song has its comic strip with the concept rather than just like a more broad thing. Hmm. Huh. So it's a little more specific and it was a little more difficult to write because I'm like writing to the storyline, right. but I'm still trying to make them like songs that I want to write, yeah. but also relate to this comic strip. That's, so. a, that's a huge undertaking. Yeah. What inspired that idea? Um, I think with, I just wanted to do something different for me out of the box and challenge myself and uh, just be like, what would I think is cool if I like checked out someone? Mm-hmm. Did you read a lot of comic books? As a- Kind of, not really though. I, I kind of like got into them when I started doing it. I was like, let me look at what's going on now with comics. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen comic books here and there, but nothing crazy. Yeah. And I got, I like got a couple comic books I liked and I was like, all right, let me figure out how to do this. Cause this, this would be like, if I saw this, someone do something like this, I would think it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, so that's it's what killer, I was trying to yeah. judge it by rather than just like, here's some new songs. These are my new photos. These are the new colors, mm-hmm. like whatever. Yeah. Rather than be like, here's, here are songs that are part of a plot. Mm-hmm. Here's the comic that it goes with. Like, I like, you know you could post the song and like look at the comic strip and be like, oh shit, like that's the in the the verse into the chorus. That's like what's happening right there. And people can be invested in, and it creates its own universe, which I'm kind of interested in, yeah. to kind of making it a more of a bigger picture rather than just just the music. Uh, does the qual have a name? It will. <laughs> I ha- I can't say it. Yet. All good. All good. All it good. will have yeah. a name, but it does start with a K because it has to start with koala. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure it'll be quality. Oh, Oof. got it. <laughs> Ended it with a good one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Amazing. Um, anything else you want to shout out? Anything um, on the horizon? Yeah, just the new stuff coming out. Um, if you want to talk to me online, friend69 on Instagram, friend on Twitter, <laughs> friend music on YouTube and Facebook. And then I'm Andrew Goldstein if you want to talk to me anywhere. I'm around if you want to send me an email, friendmusicemail at gmail.com. Uh, my new material will be out in June and July. Well, you've been a great person to talk to. Awesome. Thank so you. Thank yeah. you. Thank oh, you for yeah. being here. So much fun.
We would like to thank Jägermeister and Isotope for their early support of Talking Lion.